I'll call the uh, regular meeting of the Peace Town Council for Monday, April 9th, 2018 to order. And uh, before we start, if I could ask everyone to stand for one minute of silence to honor the humble 15, in particular J.C. Darcy Hogan for his contribution in helping to build our community and and uh, and this will also give us a, an opportunity to say a quiet prayer to the creator to watch out for and take care of Darcy's widow Christina and his two young children Carson and Jackson so if we can bow our heads in silence Mr. Parker, that we have lowered the flags to the town flags to half mask, and uh, and that will probably stay that way until Mr. Hogan's funeral. I believe that's on Saturday. Saturday uh, in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, at three at three p.m. Your worship. That is correct. Okay, thank you. Uh, that takes us to the adoption of the agenda. Um, there. Are there any additions to the agenda? Uh, we have four additions, uh, Your Worship. Uh, the first one is um, recognition of Darcy Hogan. The second is a. Pardon me? Oh, um, New business number four. New business number four, okay. The second item is the, uh, it's an RFD on the 99th Street uh, slide. Is that all unfinished? It is unfinished. It's business, so if you want it. The 99th Street slide. Uh, it's an RFD. The uh, third item is uh, we have two in camera items. One is legal, um, and the other one is contract. Very good. Thank you. Are there any other additions that need to be watched on? Mr. Mayor, I have one. I would have an information item on blanket exercise, April 24th. Okay. I'm going to put that under information. Information. Okay. So that'll be item three under information. Blanket exercise. Your Worship, I have a, a message from the uh, um, president of the uh, Broncos Association, Kevin Garinger, but I can deal with that at the uh, item number four with uh, Darcy Hogan if that is preferred. Your Worship, if I make the RFP for the budget amendment for 99 Street slide, did you want me to distribute the Right now, or wait for the time? Um, well, we'll, we can uh, hand it out now. Uh, there's one presentation from the Wildline 
regarding wildland fire management. I don't see any bylaws and then it's unfinished business that's pretty well right away. Provided the council adopts the agenda. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're ready. Because you might make an ass out of you and me by assuming. Uh, yes, Your Worship, I would uh, put a motion we accept the uh, Monday, April 9th agenda with the uh, with several amendments as noted. Okay. All in favor? That takes us to the minutes of the March 26, 2018 regular council meeting. Uh, are there any corrections, clarifications, etc. required there? Worship Council, um, what I've got tonight is just uh, a kind of brief presentation of what the um, how the fire department is prepared for World Land event in coming into town, um, and then also I have the assistance of uh, 
Tom Lynch and uh, Tom Petrow from the Alberta Agriculture and Forestry Division to answer questions and kind of go over what their role is in this situation. Uh, so some of the things I'm going to be looking at um, tonight is, uh, is the equipment we have, the training that we've taken for wildland prevention, uh, some of the prevention measures that we uh, carry out, and just a brief talk on education, which includes the fire smart. So the equipment that the town has, um, our main unit for wildland firefighting is our rapid attack vehicles, or RADs. Uh, the main one we have is our uh, F550 chassis, a 4x4 with a 150-gallon water tank. It also has a corn tank. Um, and also on the back of the unit, there's a high-pressure pump and hose, which is very effective at putting out fire quickly. Um, has quite a, a, a large, long screen reach, as well as a penetrating uh, reach into the ground. We also have a regular small mini pump, a striker pump, and the unit carries all our wildland hand tools. Um, these units are very versatile. They're very good at getting up into the hills. Um, believe it or not, fire we had a few years ago. These, uh, these units can go anywhere. Another smaller rag unit we have is a small bobcat side by side. On the back of the unit there is actually a small water tank, 80, 80 gallon water tank. Uh, also has a little electric pump. Again, this is we're getting into very inaccessible areas with, uh, with water and some small holes. These units also have a rescue insert so that water tank can, can slide out and then the uh, structure on the left there can slide in. It's a, it's a frame with a stretcher attachment and a seat for a, for a medical person. So we can actually rescue people from the hills using this, this unit as well. And then actually winter time we have tracks that go on this bobcat and actually this was used uh, was for the um, snow. And we'll go climb up this ski hill uh, a couple of weekends ago and I was on standby there ready for that. Another rapid tactic vehicle we have is, uh, is a Yamaha side by side, mainly for getting personnel and equipment uh, into the area required. Water supply, we have a tender unit, so it's a 3,500 gallon vacuum water truck with a 1,200 gallon, 1,250 GPM fire pump. Um, yeah, these units are very good at moving water into areas where there's no water supply. We can either fill our units directly from the, the tender or, as you've shown there, the tender can dump into a temporary uh, uh, water tank and then you can draft from that tank. So with the with the grad units we sort of begin as we have the one in town, we also have access to one in Weatherville and one in Dixonville. And with these water tenders they can have one in Weatherville and one in Dixonville, which we use for catch-up. We also have access to a structure protection trailer. This one is actually the property of Candid Northern Lights, um, which they purchased a couple of years ago, at the end of 2016. Um, this unit carries uh, pumps and hoses and sprinklers. And basically these are used for setting up sprinkler protection on structures in advance of a wild, wildfire coming through. 
because again, we're kids more in the rural area, and this is accessible to us again if needed. Some of the training that we carry out, um, our firefighters are trained, majority are trained to the NFPA 1051 Wildland Firefighter Standard. So this is a nationally recognized course across North America. Part of the course is, as well as learning fire behavior, um, fire prevention measures, it's fire control measures, and actually, in this example, using fire to control fire by taking away the fuel. And uh, the forestry guys can talk a lot more about that. They, that's what they do on the bigger scale. We do it on the grass scale, they do it on the forest scale. Well, and actually, we got one of these courses scheduled for the end of May. Also, our members are trained uh, with in uh, use of UTV as a requirement under the, the the codes for them to be trained for the use of in the operation of UTVs. Um, some members also train NS two fifteen. It's a wildland urban interface uh, course offered through through forestry again. Um, it looks more, some of the areas covered in that course is more the triage of structures at risk and uh, looks at response planning. So on the prevention side, some of the things uh, we do annually and we'll be doing it hopefully when the snow clears this year um, is our hazard reduction burns or control burns. So in order to prevent a wild or slow the pace or stop a wildfire coming into certain areas of town as we go ahead in the spring as soon as the, uh, the snow is cured and cleared and the grass is, is cured and dry and we'll actually burn certain areas. Uh, this area was in just behind Misery Mountain on the, uh, the area between Misery Mountain, the backside of Misery Mountain and um, Saddleback. So we're looking at areas where uh, you know longer large grassy slope leading up to the back of the properties. So if we can take away all that dead fuel, then if a fire did start in that area, it would actually stop when it hits that back area and we can get up to the houses. So we're working very close to the houses, so there's a lot of, we have a lot of people involved in this and a lot of care and attention. And uh, again, forestry guys have come and assist us with it as well, um, because we have to be very careful that we don't let something like this get out of control because we're right against the houses. The idea is to protect the houses and not actually damage them in any way. Um, so we start right at the top of the slope there, we'll burn our very small strips, gradually working down the slope until we've created a large enough fire break, and then we'll start at the bottom of the slope and then burn up to that slope. Another area we've done is in the south end of town, the very far south end of town, the end of 101st Street. Again, so we find that, that uh, sort of upslope of that hill leads up to the houses. Uh, need a lot of work once when we, we burn off the grass and we take a long time to make sure it is fully, fully out and fully extinguished so it doesn't uh, reignite. So have you, you've identified a number of areas that you think are critical. So you don't uh, you don't uh, uh, do this fire prevention burn for every area every year, right? So you no, really, there's not enough manpower or time. Ideally, that would be 
the ideal, but the weather conditions have to be just right. Uh, if it's too windy, then we can't do it. Um, <laughs> too wet, obviously. Um, and then we can only we only burn on town land. Uh, we don't burn on private property. Uh, for two reasons: one, any liability issues if we damage things on the property, and also. <laughs> If we start burning on people's private property, then everybody wants us to burn on their land to clean it up. Um, so we're looking at town-owned land in areas that are a high hazard. If, if we can control the hazard in that area, so we, we before go out and actually, with on the advice with my colleagues here as well, is what areas we can we can burn. And so you've already determined what, which are the critical areas after X number of years. Yeah, we we generally in probably fairly soon we'll drive around and have a look at areas that have really we're looking for the areas where the grass has grown up quite high and there's a lot of dead grass in those areas. Um, at the moment, I don't actually we don't have a plan on a rotational basis. And even when we do decide on those areas, it, we may not get to them if the wind conditions or the weather conditions aren't right. Or if the, if the spring comes in too soon and the grass and the green grass comes up, then it's, it's very difficult to burn at that time too. We have issues with smoke, we have issues with ash. So. Just uh, identification process happens as soon as the snow leaves the ground? Or? Yeah, I mean, we know some areas won't go back to like in the south end there, that was a few years ago. That, some of that has burned up again. That is a very good area because of, of fire coming up the valley. Could potentially come through there. That, that's a good area to stop it at. Um, another area we've looked at is this area, which is uh, just to the north of the high school. Um, again, right up against uh, some housing there. Um, again, we're going right up against the houses and that hill pretty well goes into North Somers County very quickly, so we have to be very careful we don't let a fire go up into the area. Uh, otherwise it would just take away on it. And actually the area we did in that area was caught by a Google satellite, so um, it actually very well shows the areas that we did burn. So we did do a lot of burning around the high school um, to the uh, east of the Cool Springs Trailer Park. Um, and then again the north side that area right in there is uh, where we burn. Aesthetically, it does improve it because it comes in very quickly, very green. Um, it does get rid of that dead grass. So some people want us to come and burn their area because it looks better, but it doesn't have a, a high and a hazard control aspect to it, then we're not really, there's other areas that have a high priority. So I'll ask the question. Um, some residents have asked us to uh, look at the uh, dike uh, across the Hart River, the one that leads down to the um, uh, park. And from what you're saying, that would not fit your criteria. They want it to look green from places like Heritage Towers and so on. Um. No, it's not a critical area there. Because the river is quite a good fire break. The fire could go along the bank of the river. 
It's a quack grass reduction strategy. <laughs> I, I know I have. Dr. Bell was asking for that one as well. So. Um, well, like it's just, it's again, it's a lot of manpower and On the education side, um, probably everybody's heard of FireSmart. So basically, FireSmart is uh, defined as living with and managing for wildfire on our landscape. Uh, another term that is commonly used, you may have heard of, is WUI, which is the wildland urban <laughs> interface where the urban lifestyle meets the environments that are prone to wildfire. Um, so FireSmart is basically based on, on seven uh, disciplines. So we look at education, education management, legislation and planning, development considerations, interagency cooperation, cross training, and emergency planning. On the education side, um, basically people living in these vulnerable areas need to be aware of the threat and the things they can do to protect their health, homes, and their community. And again, uh, the forestry staff do a lot of this uh, education um, either Pete Gellerman or Crystal Burroughs, who's the information uh, officer for the for forestry in the area. Vegetation management looks at decreasing, again, decreasing that fuel load ahead of a fire. Um, so looking at those areas on the outskirts of communities, um, thinning and pruning, using fire resistant species, creating fire breaks, and uh, cleaning up those uh, debris. Legislation planning looks at provincial and municipal legislation, local building codes and land use. Uh, development considerations look at standards that help manage wildfire by reducing the flammability of structures. So it's, you know, construction of new homes and new developments, making sure that they're constructed uh, in a fire smart way, um, using um, exterior materials that are not flammable and also looking at roadway access and water supply into these, uh, these subdivisions. Interagency cooperation, strong regional partnerships, and then collaboration on some of those buffer areas and developments between uh, municipalities. Uh, so we do have mutual aid fire control agreements with all our surrounding partners, and we also have a mutual aid agreement with forestry for them to assist us and for us to assist them on, on wildfires. Cross training of personnel, so basically looking at structural firefighters, which is what we are, um, just gaining some wildland firefighter training. Uh, looking at communications between agencies and uh, the training under the ICS system. Any fire we work under, under forestry, they use ICS systems for many years ahead of uh, the municipal fire department, so all that training we do fits in Emergency planning, uh, being prepared for an emergency, obviously is important for the community members as well as the municipalities. There's another organization called uh, FRIA, which is the Forestry, the Forest Resource, Resource Improvement Association of Alberta. It's a non-profit industry association mandated with uh, enhancing the Alberta's forests. Uh, there are grants available for programs based on those five smart disciplines. Um, I haven't used any of this for the town of Peace Rivers yet. I, we have done some with the Canyon Northern Lights in the Weber Olympic areas. 
to fund some educational programs through the grant from Korea. Talk a little bit about the kind of threat to the town in a minute. Um, corrective alerting systems for a wildfire event, uh, basically the same as I mentioned uh, last month with the emergency management presentation. We would use the Alberta Emergency Alert System, of which uh, we have some members who are authorized to use that. And the actual alert ready system, which is the Canada wide system, which previously just delivered through uh, television and radio as of April the 6th. So as of Friday, this has now gone live with that same alert message going out through the cell phones. So in a geographical area, so any cell phones that are connected to a certain cell tower will receive a message of any emergency in that area. Basically, the uh, owners can, cannot opt out of that. We get it regardless. We'll take any questions, and maybe if you have anything else to add, maybe the first as well. My name's Harley from the Wildfire Prevention Office and Energy Service. So, our forestry wildfire effort is uh, divided into two areas basically is prevention operations. I represent the prevention aspect of the, the operation of it. Um, so, I'm mainly responsible for uh, fire smart. Um, wildfire investigation, cost recovery, planning, to do with NADCOS fires. So that's kind of the last bit. So, uh, too much of it, so. That's my end of it, and then I'll for the police practice question. So. Yeah. I'm the uh, acting welfare operations officer for Peace River. Um, so within that, like Todd was saying, we have uh, broken down pre suppression and suppression for basically the entire season from March 1st to October 31st. We have a host of seasonal staff um, that come into the district um, starting well, back in early March. And then we, uh, we roll those out until, right up until the end of October and early November. So we have two primary bases within the area, one of them being here in Peace River that we're working on creating, and then one up in Manning. So currently in Peace River, um, once everybody's hired up, we have 24 seasonal for firefighters um, that we have here. I said, I've had the pleasure of working with Tim and company uh, for several years while I've been here. And uh, we started off that whole hazard reduction program back in like 2006, I think it was 2005. So it was, uh, you know, it's good to see that it's still going right. It's actually starting to get better, a little more traction uh, within the town. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's all good stuff. Um, saying that, we have a host of aircraft. If uh, something doesn't come up, uh, you know, we're on it pretty quick. Uh, we have a host of uh, liquid towers around the district. There's 14 in total. Uh, two of them can see down into this area fairly well. So quite this, uh, this area is kind of unique. It falls out of our jurisdiction. So we don't really have authority to be in here to actually fight fire unless we get invited in by the town, right? So that's where the partnerships with uh, myself, Todd, and Kevin can in place. So um, if something does happen, then you know, we're readily available. So uh, providing the rest of the province isn't burning up at the same time. So. Um, you know, and also the other thing, it's not just fire, but floods, right? Uh, we've been involved with uh, the last two floods that happened here with the, the river kind of busting through. So, uh, you know, if there's ever a need for that, we're a pretty good logistics machine, right? So we can bring a lot of manpower here in a pretty short order of time. So, you can see that in Calgary and other instances. So, I don't know if that 
that's pretty quick snapshot. But no. there's a lot that we do sign on the list that we usually get. Well, I'm, I'm interested in uh, potential threats and how you would handle it. So, um, I think we're all aware of the Slave Lake fire and the Fort McMurray fire, and we certainly don't want that to happen here. So, we're in a deep river valley, and uh, there's a rail line out from here to uh, the DMI mill. The possible sparks could fly off the steel wheels. Uh, there's a whole area south of us is hard to access. So if a fire starts in the valley, how do we, you know, what, what kicks in? How do we, how do, how do you, uh, you know, we can send Tim out there, but he's only gonna go to the north end and use the wastewater at the, at the pond out there yeah. to suppress as much fire as he can. But uh, we, uh, so how, how would we, uh, so what was the strategy in terms of? Well, like, uh, like Tom mentioned, we have, um, there are jurisdictional boundaries that we're bound to. Yeah. Um, so the forest protection area is where we're, we're authorized to, to work. Um, outside of that, we, that's permanently we have to be invited in. However, if new starts, we respond first, and then we're able to jurisdiction happen. So um, since I've been here six years now, it's played out just like that. So if there's a fire detected, so either power, lookout towers, or manpower finding the fire or detected, as well as the code to our T10 fire or to 911, um, we will respond as if it were in our jurisdiction. Um, it's only after we're overhead that then we apply to these things to get uh, moved within the jurisdiction. And then if we feel the need to act right away, we will. We will before we receive authorization as part of the uh, agreement we have. Other than that, in that control plan, there are um, certain people authorized to request and receive author uh, assistance because there's costs or maybe costs associated to it. But that's, we don't, uh, there's no haggling up front. We'll respond as if it were in the force protection area initially, and then once we get anyone that is going in threat, then we decide uh, if that's any other. Maybe you have a home here in Beach River, right? So in Casper, yes. Oh, so good, good for here. You've got a vested interest. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and as you mentioned, Tomorrow is a, a good situation. We're at the bottom of the hill, right? It's there was a fire with the left hill, so the town itself is that large just to secure the thing. It's pretty much an aspen fuel type around here. So once the flush is over, come springtime, early past spring, summer night, I mean, it's it becomes almost a natural fire break to some extent, right? It's a lot of the fine fuels, which Tim's trying to get rid of. I think through the hazard reduction program, that's where, you know, that's what's going to carry a lot of those fuels, right? And, you know, in the past, they had the fire in the north end, that, uh, the sewage plant, I guess. Um, I think that was really key because, I mean, we're, we're called pretty much right away even from a looking advice standpoint on that one. And then we rolled in some resources, some aircraft to help out with that, right? So I think we have a, like I said, a pretty good working relationship in that end. So, and the key thing is like that initial response, right? Like, hey, we got a fire, you know, you guys want to come and take a look. We'll send somebody like myself, Todd, or some other senior staff member to go there and take a look at it, see what we can do to help out, right? So. Yeah. 
Can you speak to any of the, uh, like with the hazard reduction burns, can you speak to any of the cross-training that is available or any cross-training that you have done between the departments? Uh, well, we believe that needs to start that And uh, if we start burning operation itself, it's cross-training. It's uh, our guys get to meet the department people. Because sometimes the experience is a lot of turnover, sometimes it don't. So, uh, if you have a lot of recurring instances, or if you have new people, it's just a situation that needs to go. And it's everything from just meeting, so we're meeting on your controlled situations, we're not meeting for the first time, trying to suss out. Um, we get to go over each other's project and see what matches what doesn't. Um, you know, we purchase our own hybrid keys and stuff like that, just to make sure that we do show up to the site. The situation calls for us to work together, but our gear is compatible, our procedures are compatible. And my last question would be to Mr. Harris. Um, you had mentioned during your presentation that you are going to be hosting a 1051 course at the end of May. Um, how many members will be taking that? And uh, are we offering that course to any of our um, surrounding municipalities if there's space available? Yeah, so it'll be for up to 20 um, firefighters and we're actually running it as a regional course and there's actually regional grants. We'll be using a regional grant to run the course, so there'll actually be no cost to the town for that. Uh, but again, again, we work, like we work first through, we work with our regional partners um, and we'll do the training together. And we've helped over that course in the past. So. Yeah. Just uh, a quick question, uh, representing the uh, Scottish culture in the area here in the room. So I know how Mr. Harris gets paid. So when you, we do a controlled burn and we're using uh, our sister organization, there is there invoices involved in this stuff? Or I, I like the head nodding. This is no, great. No, we uh, we don't charge for that it, again because the training we receive is what's advisable to us. Okay. And, our so staff work on a different schedule too, so um, there are weekends, that's the regular shift and stuff. So if Tim was to come up with a schedule that included the verb over at the Heritage Towers, <laughs> you, you, might, you might be persuaded to do it. Well, it, as long as it's understood that you have a working at a Tim store. Well, there'd be excellent training opportunities over there because of the steep slopes and the, uh, the critique you'd get from the senior citizens as well, so that would be a challenge for you. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming, guys. So we have a good audience for the event as well. Um, one question, if um, so, Mr. Harris, if uh, someone is in a situation where there's back alleys and they look kind of I don't know, fire hazardy, they report to bylaw or to you, kind of? Uh, it's kind of bylaw that just almost sounds likely premises issue again if it's town property then for the back hours we wouldn't be burning um it would be more so. cleaning, cleaning out but if it's private property then it would be a bylaw issue because so yeah. Yeah. i mean burning does it is one of the best ways of cleaning it up because it does it cleans it all up and it gives a bit of nutrition fertilizer back into the soil and, and with the spring it heats up a lot faster so the grass comes up quicker um, but obviously the, the 
control issues and, and uh, the hazard issues with burning in tightly controlled spaces is tricky. Because um, ultimately, if there's damage, like some of these I am, I need, you know, sometimes we'll have 10, 12, 20 guys on some of these because ultimately if it goes wrong and something, we burn someone's house down, um, I'm the one that becomes, stops with me actually. So back alleys basically is grass. Somebody should be out there mowing their space or something. So any that uh, we sign an agreement with with the forestry when they do come in help us, they, they have a bit of paper that I have to sign again saying that the liability is mine, not not theirs. So, uh, and then it's actually our guys with the driftwood just liable as well. So. Great training for our guys as well. And so like I say, they have a lot of new guys that come in and actually that time of year they're actually looking for something to do, especially when we still have the snowpack. So you've got the guys now, they've been on a month already, they're sitting around looking for something to do. So they actually love coming out and, and doing it. When you talked about the snowpack, the last few years there hasn't been a snowpack at the beginning of March and probably even before that. Um, and, the, and the lakes are frozen and the river is just starting to break up. How, how do you, uh, and we've had some grasslands fires under those situations, right? So, uh, forestry helps you out with grasslands fires or is that, you just rely on the municipal arm or? Again, it, it, depending on the situation, if it's, I mean, Misery Mountain was one, um, you know, it's a grassland and, and, and wood sort of area. So if there's no, if the lakes are frozen over, how do you, how do you get water out of those, those types of grassland fires that kick up? Well, you don't bring the water with you, it's like getting money in your trucks or something like that. We have mobile equipment contracts with uh, other companies in town and in the area that will provide water trucks for us. But if you can't drive it, then uh, you just dump it in the cold. So it's dumped out, mm -hmm. you have to cut a hole. And there's usually, there's usually open water. I haven't had a stay fire yet where there's a helicopter I've been able to bucket out some of the okay. yeah, that's what I was yeah, we'll find it. Can you bucket out of the river? Can you bucket yep, out yeah. of the river? Yeah, yeah, it's not recommended. Yeah, it's easy to stand in the bucket, but uh, yeah. if you have a pilot that's comfortable, I mean, ultimately it's our call. I mean, we did on that uh, Misery Mountain fire and down where one people come, we did bucket out of there. Yeah. 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 I call ultimately whether we pull them in because there is a cost involved, okay. but it's you know, cost against um, loss benefit. And the the town doesn't machine. burn down. That's all they have the big machines <laughs> and they have all the, the, the guys. Um, but it is that jurisdictional. So even a fire, you know, if it's outside of town, as soon as we're outside the boundary, then I have no authority yeah. to spend any money um, unless I'm given, unless I have the authority to be in command from that municipality. So once you call in the forest forest service, do they take command of the ITS? No. Well, what would probably be happening would be some kind of unified command. Or certainly be advice not advising. Usually when these guys will work together and we use them for their experience mm -hmm. advice, but ultimately we're still in command. If one if it's in the municipality, once it's outside the forest protection area basically starts at the boundary of the county northern lakes on that north side, northwest side. So it, it isn't right up against the town in any sense. 
I think we can go out to your email if you want to read. Yeah, I want to read it. And it's the same post I put in the book. Put it on site before we've gotten there sometimes. Check on the ground and we've uh, just offered to read on the ground and assist and try to get our mileage back again. So the Green Man actually has a buffer zone, but whoever's that first starts actioning the fire is, is almost pre-authorized to do that up to a certain point without while the other agency gets there. So are there deficiencies right now in terms of implementing the fire smart program? Like are there weaknesses that we need to address? Um, I think some of the, the obviously the, the neighborhoods that are on the the exterior, you know, the boundaries of the town, and the face up against the wildland area, so possibly the Saddleback Park area. Um, Westbrook is actually more surrounded by farmland. Far south end of town, north end of town. So there is, there, there is some fire, fire smarting uh, procedures that they could take to protect their properties. A lot of it is, is really is making your own home fire smart by um, non-combustible materials on the roofing clearing out leaves from under leaves from dust from under your decks, not storing firewood right next to the house, keeping the grass around your house cut, having trees that are very close to the house. And I think really where the fire comes in, you know, the fire doesn't actually reach reach the house or the embers. There is some of that and I, I was when I did, we did the control burns this this season, I'm going to try and put together some sort of education just to start putting that message out to people. There's a lot of it available online for them to look up. Um, but if I'm just going to come out with some sort of public announcement, but um, I'll work with all of them on that and uh, get some of that message out. Now that we have a local reporter with the newspaper of record, I'm sure we can. Yeah, definitely news. The record gives that to the results. Okay. Any further questions? Okay. Thank you, Mr. Okay. Thanks for coming, guys. Okay. Um, any bylaws, Mr. Parker? Well, actually, the NIH street slide guys who runs things business, but really there's a bylaw to that's not, is that correct there, Mr. Dell? Um, well, I think we should deal with the, the RFP first, and then if council's agreeable uh, and then council's interested, they may want to consider doing first and second reading of the bylaw tonight, or we could probably push that back um, to the 23rd to, to do that. Okay, well, why don't we do, why don't we hear the, uh, the background on this item and then we'll. Uh, and we'll ask uh, uh, council to uh, perhaps uh, consider the uh, bylaw of 2031 uh, as for first reading. Because you'll have to advertise this bylaw as your first reading. That's correct. This bylaw would require um, advertising between first, second, and then third reading.
just to start it off, Mayor, uh, the Council, for us, we have uh, still requested a decision on budget amendment for 99 slide. And as we've uh, discussed uh, on several occasions in the past, about uh, the 99 Street slide on the Clark slide that is located between 99 and 98 streets uh, north of Reservoir 352. The, the project is currently underway and includes two uh, portions. Uh, the construction of the two uh, seated tile walls, as well as the second part, which would be dealing with the underground infrastructure in that area. So at the end of the day, the project outcome is to stabilize that slope uh, to uh, provide some stability both uh, above the, the slide uh, in terms of the condominium association building and also below to the waterworks building. So in terms of that, uh, we uh, looked at the project budget and submitted the project budget as we discussed back in November, uh, seeking both federal and provincial support for this work, which we received. And to the tune of uh, $1.9 uh, million. Dollars. Uh, and uh, at that point, I'm just going to turn this over to Director Cal. Uh, thank you. So I'm going to discuss the financial um, impact and how we manage this, which is the second or the third and fourth pages of this report. Um, the previous information is on the second page discusses the, the project costing and the estimates. So I'm going to discuss funding because uh, ultimately that's what I'm seeking authority for and will lead into the bylaw discussion. Um, so council has been made aware of a couple times during our budget discussions. Uh, organizationally, we have about $5 million per year that we control for capital projects. That's our own money. Uh, the level of projects we could do that utilize debt. Uh, other um, funds such as MSI or gas tax funding, uh, funds that we collect through other uh, targeted requisitions such as neighborhood infrastructure renewal program. Um, and, and that's our amount. If we utilize yet less of that, then we're in the good. If we utilize more, we would have to increase taxes to be able to, um, to do more work. This does not include other funding um, that is non-allocated, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and those are grant-type things that we would apply for and try to um, be successful. But in terms of controlled funds, we have about $5 million per year. Uh, projecting this out, um, and we are building capacity into the budget that increases by about one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars per year. <coughs> so, for projection purposes, the first table on on page three shows um, what our planned capital funding by year um, uh, would have been under a normal situation. So, in twenty seventeen, we would have used about five million dollars of our money into twenty eighteen. A bit more in 2019, a bit more in 2020, um, which would have, um, we would have spent about $20.3 million, give or take, because it is a projection. And again, that does not include any external funding. Um, since this project and uh, the issue of ineligible funds, um, that the province and feds are not going to defund, when we initially did the the bench here, we had shown them funding the full one-third portion of the project, 
which would have been $2.233 million. Now, based on these ineligible expenses, their uh, contribution will um, have a ceiling or a cap amount of $1.918,862. For us to be able to manage this, because the reason council seeing this tonight that it's a little urgent is the federal government is requesting that we um, confirm the, the balance of the funding. Um, since the initial information we had, we had shared with them and we're going on showed that they were contributing at this amount, and now it's less. Um, there's, there's funding that is not, um, has not been confirmed, so we are looking for council to confirm that tonight. Um, and staff's recommendation will be that it is done through debenture, because truthfully it's our only real uh, source of available funds we don't have. No real uh, reserve balances or using reserves would just impact us in future years because then we have less in future years to, to draw from. Um, but to be able to do this, we are technically borrowing from ourselves in the future. So instead of doing $5.1 million worth of work, we do about $4.4 million worth of, of capital work, again, excluding any other funds that we could uh, receive from other sources. So let's see. That's how we would manage this if we do that. There's no impact to taxes. Um, again, it kind of keeps us within our, our envelope for what the budget could afford right now. Um, and we will ultimately decide how to um, manage our, our capital program for 2019 when we discuss the budget, because if council does want to do more work, of course, there's the default position of we can raise taxes to do that. But that will be a discussion then, but as we go into the, the year, um, 2019 capital year, we will um, look at a, a slightly constrained capital program, um, again, because we don't have as much money as we uh, had anticipated, um, and have that discussion with council on if they want to maintain that or consider doing more. But again, as I said, taxes are the likely default for, for being able to afford that. So, just to get it clear in my mind, um, we're kind of spending 5.1 million this year due to the slide issues. Is that kind of right? Um, I'm going to do the entirety of the project costs is 6.7 million dollars. Okay, and the 5.1 and the 4.99 that you were mentioning, there was going to be a, a change because it was using 5 million. Something about four point nine nine or something. Four point nine. Did I? No. Yeah, maybe yeah. It's a four point four seven from the second chart on the third page. Under twenty nineteen. You said in future that it would limit the capital funding. Oh, again. oh, there. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm saying is, since we need to use about six hundred and thirty thousand dollars of our our own money to fund this. Um, in 2019, we could only have about $4.47 million of our own money to do our 2019 capital program. And does that exclude the neighborhood uh, renewal portion of things? It, it includes the neighborhood renewal, and these are funds that are entirely with our control. 
So it includes the neighborhood renewal. It does not include funds such as joint capital. It does not include monies that we can get from the federal provincial government, such as Water for Life or other grant-funded type um, projects that we have no knowledge or control of at this time. Just to understand that, so I understand simple thing. What we're doing is we're taking, we have, whoops, we have $5 million a year. <clears throat> we're taking a portion of that from the next five or whatever period of years, allocating it this year to do what we need to do. But we're also, to an extent, constraining our ability to spend money in the future years to stay within um, the budget that we have. That's correct. This is all of our budget will right. allow or absorb at this point. Right. Okay, one more time. <laughs> Thank you. So, so you aim for X millions of dollars, and the federal government said, no, there's a certain portion here that's, that's not eligible, and so you're having to, to cover that off. Is that the story? That's correct. Essentially, uh, the ineligible costs extend to uh, the engineering that was done uh, prior to the award of contract to the contractors. So both the uh, design engineering and the geotechnical evaluation, as well as the end granite structure engineering, all those portions were not allowed by the provincial and federal governments to recover down to the program. Which council is kind of ironic because in order for us to actually get the funding, you had to have these reports done by qualified professionals to say, hey, there's a problem here, but we won't cover that. And they were very expensive. So how much is the ineligible? So that would be shown on page two, and the total estimate uh, it's $937,358. That is the total for the ineligible cost. And so it cost us a million to do the engineering design. That's correct. Now, one thing is bringing to the attention of council to uh, the funding that we're looking at is to ensure that you know, the costs rise to the full amount of the estimate that we're covered. Uh, now, Within that, we still have a contingency in that. My expectation is to minimize the amount of contingency that we're going to expend, but we still need to have uh, a commitment uh, both to the federal and provincial governments that we've got the ability to be funded if, if required. So it's still my intent to make sure that we minimize the amount of contingency that we're going to expend. Perhaps we should try and get the engineering firms to understand what pro bono means. Um, so, in future, when we're asked to have shovel-ready programs, which usually means engineering and all that stuff, I mean, we're thinking it's likely that the engineering stuff would not be covered because it's been done prior to a contract. I think. Uh, what we're going to try and do, uh, and this goes to when you're looking at grants, and a lot of times the engineering is not allowed as part of the, the, the grant program. We're looking mainly at the construction program, but there again, in order to take advantage of a loan, you have to be ready for that. I think we'll, in future, you know, we're going to try to maximize, you know, looking at these grant opportunities so 
uh, out of uh, your program budget. So it came about uh, probably late October, November timeframe, uh, and this is after we passed the initial initial foreign bylaw uh, back in September for that uh, debt funding. So we were anticipating at that point that uh, the engineering would be coming off. But as we went through the business case uh, with the general government, they, that's at that point where they identified that those funds would not, those, that portion of the project would not be eligible for coverage under the program. And okay. so in terms of appealing that, uh, I guess there's always room for appeal, but. Uh, And we did talk to uh, you know some of the bureaucrats uh, in Prague to see if there was some other funding that could be used, and, and they did try to look to see if um, because if, if you remember the province was a little slower at the table, they did come. I mean, we were very happy we received the funding from them, but then they were trying to say, okay, when they heard of this problem, maybe there was some other funds that we can use. Um, so I know Jim was working with them on that, um, but at the end of the day, they just all said, no, we can't do that. And given that it's cribbing season, they've got the hammer coming home. Good one. <laughs> okay, so um, I will entertain a motion for first reading of bylaw 2031. Who wants to make that? Ms. Manzer? I move first reading of bylaw 2031. Okay, all in favor? Anybody want to give a second reading? Sorry. Yeah, I will go move for a second reading for bylaw 2031. We're going to do three No, it feels great. You're just trying to find out if we're asleep. It's on the same page. Okay. As long as you're singing from the same hymn sheet, that's all I can. Okay, um, we now go to uh, new business. I request for a decision regarding first quarter grants to groups, applications, and requests. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Um, I have before you a request for decision regarding the applications for first quarter um, distribution of the grants to groups. Um, over the past two council meetings, presentations were made by organizations requesting funding through the grants to groups program. Council was able to ask questions directly to each organization or to provide any additional information to council meeting. Uh, based on the applications and presentations, administration makes the following recommendations. Do you want me to go through the individual ones? Uh, not necessarily. So the first, uh, or if it, what does council want? Uh, I do have a question. What what's the the total per quarter? We do this quarterly, right? Um, what is the just? Save me some time in doing the math, which I should have done my homework. I apologize. What's the total per quarter, and are we above or below that total with your recommendation? Uh, the amount that's allocated varies depending on the number of applications in the first quarter. 
Would we be on pace then? So a quarter of fifty thousand. Would we? Would we be on pace? We'd be well on pace. Yeah. Okay. So the first one up is Community Futures Peace Country. They're requesting two thousand dollars in support of the eleventh annual Women in the North Conference. The recommendation from the administration is to provide uh, two thousand dollars in funding. So somebody want to make a motion to that effect? Sure. Did you have a conflict with the women in the north? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I love the women in the north. I'm very lucky. So, Mr. Mayor, I would move that um, the Community Futures Peace Country requested $2,000 from the grants to groups uh, be funded. Great. All in favor? Passed. The uh, next one up was a letter request for 2000 to purchase, purchase equipment used by the Peace Country Mighty Peace Barbell Club. Uh, the, and the recommendation from the administration was to provide 2000 funding. Um, uh, I guess we'll do just an up and down vote, I guess. So. Is there anyone that wants to make that motion? Did you hear Councilor Oh, he, no, he, uh, he took a break. Um, so I, just a point of discussion. Our grants to group is not that for capital equipment as such, right? Uh, there were, well, if you recall, uh, last council we did approve some for the Underground Music Society. And that ended up being capital equipment, but I, I think in retrospect we were a little we were a little uncomfortable with that decision because yeah it's capital equipment, but really I think the idea of this program is to encourage people to put on an event that will attract business from else or tourism or uh, people coming into this community to spend money within the town of Peace River. Uh, but uh, the current policy, and, and the current policy, not the new policy, and I think even the new policy doesn't prohibit capital equipment. It's, it's, it's a council discretion. So I guess I would say that this is a new group uh, trying to start up and trying to gather more members in something that is considered active participation so health-wise good cause so you want to make a motion to that effect sure i'll make a motion that uh, the peace country mighty peace barbell club be uh, approved for two thousand dollars from the grants to groups all in favor yes uh that is approved by one of three Uh, the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance, they're requesting $2,000 in sponsorship to assist in hosting the, uh, the, the 2018 uh, WPAC Summit, which is a, uh, a conference where all the watersheds are uh, 
will be coming to Kusura between June the 19th and the 22nd. And the recommendation from administration was to recommend that council approve the $2,000 refunding. I would uh, put a motion on the floor that uh, council approve the Mighty Peace uh, Watershed uh, grant application for $2,000. All in favor? Passed. Um, so the next one is uh, the Tri River Triathlon and Mizzou Miles Running Club, Misery Mountain Ski Hill, Misery Mountain Biking Association combined request. Uh, for 2416 2416 dollars US uh, for a uh, for a finish line marker and, uh, I'll make the motion that uh, council approve the request for the finish line at the stated amount okay all in favor Yes. Okay, passed. Three to one. Uh, Alberta Pond Hockey is requesting five thousand in sponsorship. This is the retroactive funding for the twenty eighteen Pond Hockey Championship. Uh, and administration was recommending the council be a sponsor of the Pond Hockey Championship in the amount of five thousand uh, dollars. That doesn't include the signed contribution. Okay. Your Worship, I would uh, put a motion on the floor that Council grant uh, the Alberta Pond Hockey Group uh, $5,000. All in favor? Uh, the Misery, Misery Mountain Biking Association, they requested $2,500 in the application to assist the creation of the Mountain Biking Master Plan. They did uh, make a presentation, I think, a week ago, and that the Biking Master Plan would be $7,500. Um, they, they, they called an audible at the line of scrimmage and asked for $7,500. Um, although administration's recommendation was that council provide $2,500 in funding. Um, the reason why the Biking Association asked for $7,500 um, last week was that the uh, corporate sponsors were not uh, keen on providing uh, uh, were keen on providing funds uh, without a, uh, a master plan available. Anyone wants to make a motion on that? So. Uh, yes, Your Worship, I'd put a, be willing to put a motion on the floor to provide the Misery Mountain Biking Association $7,500 to assist the creation of their mountain biking master plan. You said $7,500? Yeah. $7,500, which would pay for the, the total of the, the plan so they can right, be using my money. Uh, the 7500 if I'm correct, because I see the group in the audience here, so the 7500 would pay for the master plan. Once that plan is done, they can start doing their grant application to get this project on the road, which would make this facility a 12-month facility rather than three months just for skiing. Well, I've got a question. Um, so this bike, 
hiking master plan, does it work in coordination with the trails plan? It will. Okay. And it refreshed my memory. The 7,500 paid to the total plan, but there was a, wasn't there some other money maybe coming from someplace, like not these sponsors, but somebody else or something else? Correct me if I'm wrong, but the group is in the audience from my understanding from their presence, their presentation. Uh, the $7,500 would complete the, the, the downhill riding plan that you wanted to do so that you may go after the grants to actually start building the project? Yeah, okay. We have about five grand in fundraising that we've been to this year for our biggest foundation about $10,000. So we may not get that back for a while yet. We'll see though. So you you would have seventy five hundred if we accept this plus the five thousand that's coming from this deal. Yeah. Yeah. So the five thousand can then be applied to the actual grant. Oh yeah. Your Worship, I'm uh, I'm okay with the recommendation. Uh, just to emphasize, uh, one of the questions that was answered by Deputy uh, Mayor Manser, I think I, I I certainly think just stating the obvious, but it, we we need to have groups working together and not come up with competing efforts and and competing projects and 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 uh, goals and objectives that can't be supported by the public. So. Uh, we've got the Parks and Trails group, whether it's Mr. Backer and Dave Walty, or whether it's the bike group. So, again, I guess I'm okay with the 7,500, but for God's sakes, get us a plan that, that is complementary, the public supports it, and we don't have competing plans. Sorry, one last comment. So, if we go with the 7,500, um, and we only have a budget for grants to group of 50,000, this will mean that we spent eighteen to twenty-one thousand at this point of the year. I have a question. Maybe this one is best directed at Mr. Town. Is there, in, in echoing uh, Ms. Manzer's comments, there too? Is there any other place to access this funding so we don't? Uh, my my concern as well would be flatlining the grants to groups program too early and then later applications. Especially even today, I see one of the recommendations is it's a, it's kind of a punt on one of them for them to ask later. If I was, it might be a little nervous given uh, that we're we're spending the the account like it's going to stop. Is there another place to access funds? Like I I want to see the plan move forward as well. Um, it would be great to get get it started, but. Kind of worried about which accounting line this might better work under if that's a possibility so there's no obvious town account or fund to try to access this money um, something else that council might want to consider is um just to remind you that twenty five hundred dollars will give them enough to do their master plan or their plan um, if they determine uh, once that is complete council could give them additional monies to implement the plan and you know, that'll give you some options and flexibility on how you want to uh, utilize the balance of your grants to group funding for through the entirety of the year. Just a comment on that, uh, sorry, Greg. 
but my understanding the plan is 7500 and the build is is a lot more than that so the the actual master plan is more than 2500 it's actually 7500 am i correct in saying that yeah but they but they're saying they have they've, they've raised five thousand dollars so they need the 2500 to finish off the amount and i was going to say you don't have the five thousand dollars i don't know so we kind of have a date to see what that right so have they indicated how long they would need that money for so you know we're kind of becoming a little bit of a loner at this point to deal with their cash flow issue which you know i don't think we should really get involved in so but again 2500 would complete the funding required to do their, their master planning is that correct I guess a follow-up question on that, uh, maybe for the, the guys from the club. If you were to get the 7500 now, all of this fund, um, that, that's kind of what you need. It's a sort of time-sensitive thing, is that correct? Yeah, it kind of is, because we're trying to get the relief to come in uh, and do our additional payments for October, or like August or September. Right. And if we set them off, we'll set them off all the year kind of thing. And, um, this is the funny part of the potentially offensive part of the question. You wouldn't come back. I, I need a better word for this. Pestering us for, for more. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yes, there, adjectives. Good, they're, they're, are much better. Yeah, we can't get anybody else for a little bit of help, because no one at this person is No one wants to take it. And people are quite, um, they're quite bullish on doing the infrastructure side of it. And I, we have the motion as on, as on the yeah, floor. Yeah, on the floor, uh, Mr. Want, Mr. Ford's motion to stand. I'll let my motion stand at 7,500. Okay, all in favor? I'll just clarify that motion. The, mo the motion was to, uh, to provide the Ridgery Mountain Biking Association $7,500 to, uh, to uh, create a mountain bike, mountain Biking master plan under the grassroots program. And there is a uh, the the last one is Family Day Wellness Conference. Uh, they requested fifteen thousand dollars to assist with the hosting of a Family Day event in twenty nineteen. And Mr. Shram, you surprised me. You you recommended the council. Ask this group to resubmit rather than approve it. <laughs> I didn't feel that there was enough information following the information on. There wasn't uh, enough planning. Right, and I didn't feel comfortable recommending until we got. I, I, I was able to gather that information as well. Okay, so perhaps a motion to. Uh, to ask administration to um, to ask the Family Day Wellness Conference organizers to resubmit uh, for fourth quarter allocation once they have a more detailed plan. So I was going to make that motion. 
Yes, Your Worship, I would uh, accept administration recommendation that the uh, Family Day Wellness uh, Conference Group uh, resubmit an application with much more detail and research work. Uh, this is a big ask. Uh, it's good to see that the, the family guy on council is doing that. All in favor? That's passed. Um, there's two of them here. Uh, request for decision, financial contribution towards the primary care center, and then a request for decision regarding exempting property taxes for the Peace Regional Primary Care Center. So these, these are not one and the same? Uh, no, Your Worship, they are actually are two separate issues. They are linked, but um, they are separate and that's what we can deal with them individually. Okay. So the first report uh, deals with the funding for the proposed primary care center. Um, so I think we're all, uh, at least for this council, but I'll, I'll read some of this information out for the audience. Northern Sunrise County has committed $5 million towards the primary care center, um, while other municipal uh, neighbors, County Northern Lakes and MDF Peace 135, have both committed 50000 towards the construction of the facility. Northern Sunrise County has requested that our commitment um, be made in writing uh, to allow for, for them to hopefully commence construction um, in the spring of 2018. Uh, the council had previously indicated that they were willing to contribute $350,000 towards the project, which um, at the time was based on the land acquisition uh, type cost. Since then, and this is the first piece of correspondence from Northern Sunrise County, um, discusses um, additional land that would uh, make it more desirable. Uh, in terms of adding either amenities, parking, um, project um, or space type options. Um, so ultimately, that's an additional 0.65 of an acre. Um, and they have amended, so there's, there's no formal request, I guess, initially, but they are requesting that the town um, contribute 552,000 in change uh, towards the project. So there's, there are some impacts to doing so. Again, we did not budget anything for this amount, um, and we haven't saved specifically for this in the past. Uh, so to be able to, to find this money, we will have to tap into our existing reserves to do so. And there's, there's really two reserves that we have um, that we can do this. Our, the first is our general operating reserve, um, which right now stands at, I believe, three or $400,000. And then we have our mill rate stabilization reserve, which is as of the end of last fiscal year, just under $950,000. The staff recommendation is to utilize the mill rate stabilization reserve because this is what it was intended for. It's for unanticipated items um, that we would, we would find did not impact our, our current year's tax rates and then uh, deal with it through <coughs> through uh, transfers either into or out of that reserve. Um, so this does have um, impacts at the $350,000 amount. Right now staff are taking 10% of that reserve balance up per year and using that as a contribution towards our, our general operating fund. 
the budget, um, which reduces our our need to increase taxes a little bit. Um, it's a little bit that helps. If we were to reduce that fund by the three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, it would take it down to a position of of around six hundred thousand dollars. So right now, ten percent of $950,000 is $95,000 a year, which would be coming in. If we only have $60,000 or $600,000 and $60,000 comes in, that's an impact of $35,000 a year, a revenue reduction that we would have to find either through cost savings, which I think we all agree at a municipal level is very difficult, or through tax rates or revenue type increases. So that's the financial impact. we. We will basically have about $35,000 less a year for 10 years um, to navigate our financial issues. Um, and this is, of course, predicated on, on our amount of the contribution of 350000 which is the staff recommendation, but subject to council and consideration or changes if wanted. So what's your recommendation? The staff recommendation is that council contribute $350,000 towards the primary care center and the funds are taken from the mill rate stabilization reserve. Okay, so we, we committed, so the discussion I recall was $350,000 was linked to doing the primary care center being on one acre property. The 500,000 odd was associated with 1.65 acres. That is my understanding of the change in the amount, yes. So why was there a, and then I, I, I understood it was basically off-site levies that we were paying Northeast Housing back for, is that? I believe that is a portion of the, the change. I don't know if the, Entire increase is due to offset levies or just due to the additional size of the, the acquisition, the additional 0.65 of a. Yeah, the 0.65 would be associated with the, with the, five, with the extra 200,000. The 300,000 was essentially the one acre plot. Yeah. Okay, and why do. So, I guess we. You're telling me that we never made a motion to this, but I thought we had made a motion. I guess it wasn't recorded, uh, or we, we we didn't vote on it anyhow. I, I did go back to what there there was not. I could not find a motion. Right. So we wanted to go with one acre at uh, whatever three hundred or three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So what has changed between now and then? Why why do we need the extra point six five in an acre? Which is really why we, we've been asked for an additional 200000 I cannot fully answer that. Um, maybe the committee member would be able to uh, clarify or. I can not, give it not a the try. the deputy mayor under the bus or anything. Or. <laughs> I can give it a try. Um, there was a discussion, if we remember initially, between one acre and then another 0.65 acre, depending upon the plan. Uh, when we discussed it, uh, one acre seemed to be the viable plan for the clinic and whatever else was needed. 
But I think when further study was done, further planning was done, there was a realization that maybe parking and stuff like that took a bit more uh, planning. Plus the, the way the building, or the size of the building on the shape of the lot had something to do with the need for, or the recognition that the other 0.65 would be a much better way of locating that building and the parking. So I think in the end, that's where the 1.65 came from. That's $200,000, right? Uh, apparently, 0. 0.65 which, is... Which we don't have. No, we don't have it. I have a question or two, though, um, about some of the, the figures which are on page 79 of 209 in our package. Um, anyways, the tax recovery part for one acre parcel. Um, that tax recovery, is it, since North Peace Housing originally owned that property, or is it for a one-year uh, value of something, or how is it, what is it, tax recovery, one-acre parcel, or 1.65? They're the lowest figures on the whole chart, but still. I'll be honest, I'm not clear what they're trying to indicate by, by that tax recovery. It's um, and the other is the administration fee. So that would be North Peace Housing recuperating or recouping some of its uh, perhaps planning fees for locating those lots or that one lot where it was. And I don't know, there's a trail plan through there as well. So, but anyways, I was just wondering the tax recovery if that's there's nothing on the land, so that's just basic land tax for some year. It's not property trans or it's not property taxes, I have to assume. It could be some type of transactional amount or something like that, because I can't I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know what they mean by tax recovery. Which well we're talking two separate things here. We're talking about a bunch of things. Oh, right, right now we're dealing with our contribution, which right, right, but we separated that out from the tax. Yeah, and that's why I don't think these are property tax items when they say tax recovery. It's different than the second uh, request. This property tax or this tax recovery is part of the initial five hundred some odd thousand. So, and also just one other thing I'll point out, and this is from the letter from Northern Summers County. Um, I'm not sure how they will manage uh, the total project budget. Miss um, Kolababer uh, indicates that if they have to pay the difference, you know, this might reduce the total um, project cost. Or um, I guess they'd probably have the option of either increasing the totality of their their contribution or budget, or it could reduce the project. So. That's a, a little bit up in the air. Maybe just something to bring the council's attention. Well, I see a number of committee members here, so I, I really want to get a good explanation of why we went from one acre to 1.68 five acres and why that is crucial to have 0.65 acres in the end. Because it really comes down to we we had 
and I think you heard it, we don't have 200,000. We're going to have to dip into a rate, mill rate stabilization fund. So we, I think we need to get a good handle on why it's critical to have the extra 0.65. We were committed to the one acre parcel for 300 odd thousand or whatever it is, but, but to go up by 0.65 an acre and, and bump up another 200,000, uh, as you can see, we're getting hammered on every side for more and more money, and we don't, uh, it's, you can only squeeze so much blood out of a stone. Can I speak to that, Tom? Yes, I do. Um, so, you come to the front of the rationale for the 1.65. Um, was well, there's two, two major reasons for that. The major reason was that we're basing the actual medical clinic on the one that's in Spirit River. It's actually quite square. The problem with the one-acre parcel is that it won't fit on there. Um, it's an awkward size, the one-acre that's being donated, so the building itself wouldn't fit and would have to be reconfigured, and then in all likelihood, we probably won't have enough parking. But taking the 1.65, um, it made most sense because one, it allows us better location opportunities because we can also reduce our costs by using the same floor, not floor plan, but the same footprint that the one that's in Spirit River that we're working with. Um, we save money on that one. Uh, the second reason is for expansion down the road because one day when things over, you know, 10,000 or 12,000, we need to add on to that medical clinic. We will have additional space to do that. Um, and so it allows us to actually better locate the clinic itself. If we didn't purchase the 0.65 now, the intention of North Peace Housing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Don, is that that would actually be uh, residential lots and we would lose it forever, basically. So we either take it now and plan for the future or we don't take it and we try and squeeze it into that one acre, but um, right now that would, that would be a challenge. And also with the additional cost, the additional 0.65 of an acre is 80,000. Where all the extra money is coming from is the fact that um, the Northeast Housing have paid all the infrastructure costs up front, all the um, off-site levies, all those things, and rightfully so they want to recoup that. So on the 1.65, including the uh, 80,000 for that 0.65 of an acre, the balance is all the other infrastructure costs. I, Your Worship, you asked a question earlier uh, about a former discussion. I think we had a, a straw poll at, at one of our council meetings, and uh, uh, my vote at that time, I'm sorry, my straw poll, if, if, if we didn't have a vote, it was a straw poll, it, it wasn't based on one acre or 1.6 or, or any number. It was based on what I thought we could afford, and 350000 is an unallocated budget number, and we had a discussion here. And I, I think the size of the lot and some of the background information here is nice to know, uh, but that's not where my support is. And I still support the 350,000. It's what we can afford. Uh, end of discussion. Uh, that's, and, and it's a stretch for us. So uh, I'm okay with the motion. Uh, it's 350,000. It can be whatever size it needs to be. Um, it does lead to a couple of other questions, maybe this isn't the time and place, but um, I'm just trying to understand the, the size and the scope and some of the planning detail. Uh, I know a lot of the stuff has been done in camera, but uh, of course we haven't seen any of that, so that perhaps might be useful information soon, I guess. 
again, just in helping to understand the size and scope of the project. And uh, if it's available, fine. Uh, Can I ask how, like, what do you, what did you want to know? Because most of it isn't in camera. Most of it, uh, you can find it to be very, very well-known. Well, uh, well, some some drawings would be nice. Uh, I'm sorry. I did bring a map. I did bring a floor plan, which I know Elaine has a copy of that. Uh, the Spirit River one, but don't go solely by that Spirit River. Part of it's Stanfield. Part of it's physiotherapist. Part of it's um, physicians. They only have three physicians in there. So um, I can give you a copy of that, so you guys can see basically what that footprint of Spirit River looks like. Um, but other than the fact that the exterior will look kind of the same and the, the actual footprint will look the same, the interior will be completely different. And the, a lot of it's going to depend because one of the sunrise is adamant that the maximum they will pay is five million. So anything short of that will impact their final look of the actual finish. So wherever they have to cut back to accommodate. And that's, I don't, don't think that's the wrong way. It's just the reality. This is how much they're going to spend. Um, that would just come off the total that we have left actually I, I, I guess any information is is useful. It's this is a public meeting. This motion is going to be recorded. The public is going to wonder what we did, and we just spent whatever number we're about to spend on a plan that very few people at this table have ever seen. And I suspect people would say, "So, Mr. Needham, tell me about this." And I'm confused over the title. I've used medical clinic. I see another name on this briefing note. I see primary care center. And then on another briefing note, I see primary patient center, I think. So there are at least, in my mind, three names. So tell me what. Go with primary care clinic. Okay, we're going with that one. Yeah. And All right. The part of the rationale behind that as well is that it's in Vice County. Oh, sorry. Part of the rationale for that as well is that uh, Northern Sunrise County once the building is complete is handing it over for a buck to Upper Health Services. Um, that's the name that they basically work their clinics under. Um, and so that's why that's what it will be focused on rather than calling it, you know, Peace River Medical Center. And that the medical center one came from many years ago when that whole committee started to try and get a clinic built in Peace River. So and if you have time, Colin, go down and see the Spirit River Clinic. It is a spectacular job. Very nice clinic. Well, uh, one of the sunrises is putting in, well, they committed $5 million to build this building. Uh, so they they might not actually only end up, have, end up having to spend four point eight to actually put up the building. And there might be 200000 left over. No, highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the medical well, how are you budgeting all of this? Like, why? Well, we haven't gotten that far yet. Because it's two hundred thousand. We're still trying to see how many funds we have from around. Uh, from the different, we only got notification from Northern Lights last week that they were putting in the fifty thousand. Um, the clinic in Spirit River, which is uh, twelve fifty thousand. Twelve something. Yeah, twelve three hundred, something like that. Um, came in at about with everything about 4.5 million so we're going to add an extra 2,000 square feet and we have half a million to do that so we anticipate we're hoping that everything will fall into place and we'll be able to do it under 5 million 
Um, but everything that we don't get will take away from that. So it's just reality. And that's if it, if it means the clinic will be built in a thirteen thousand square feet instead of fourteen, then that's what's gonna happen. Well we we, we, we started off building a multiplex, uh, Dan, and it, it cost fifty five million and we got it down to twenty three, so we're, we're we're aware of the reality check. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're basing it on what Spirit River costs to build. So, sorry, uh, sorry, Dan. So, County of Northern Lights is putting in fifty thousand. Yes. Ambient Beach is putting in fifty thousand. And you're asking us for five hundred thousand. Well, I think because it's in the town of Peace River, probably plays a little bit of a different. Image from the other other members. So. Oh, that's right. People in the MBFPs and the County of Northern Lights don't get ill or sick. Okay. Well, I think because they also have other clinics that they have to use. They're Grimshaw and Manning. Go ahead. Um, it was going to be further on the same. Um, to, I mean, the Northern Sunrise Generosity, uh, I have my own opinion. Uh, the amount of money that the municipalities have, and I've been clear about that throughout the years, so no surprise here. But um, in 2016, Northern Lights had uh, property tax revenues of around 20 million. We had property tax revenue, property tax revenue about 13.5. Um, I, I understand they have other clinics. Um, I, I don't think they have another clinic that costs them that cost that is costing. Um, the municipalities like that, that 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 clinic is not costing Northern Lights five million dollars in any way. It's no. costing Northern Sunrise County potentially five million dollars. But the whole in out of twenty million is fifty. But our whole in because it's um, well, you can basically throw rocks from the border of our town from the clinic to the other counties to one other county. Um, However, they don't have a lot of money. Um, MDF Peace is not a, a wealthy municipality, and I, 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 no disparagement there. But $20 million, $50,000, um, $13 million, $13.5 million, 500000 I do see a, a bit of a, a gap there. It, it's the same as the discussions we've heard so often from the other municipalities about that's all we can afford, you know, we don't have all this money, blah, 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 blah. and I understand all those things being real. I'll make that point. The other, to me, which is to some degree a, almost arguing the other side, is that um, I'm not really a fan of reserves to a large extent in a lot of cases, because I think that reserves are to an extent, if you need money for infrastructure, you put money into a reserve. My, I've been vocally for of saying, let's spend our reserves, put it into infrastructure, etc. And this medical clinic, to me, is infrastructure. It's something that's going to be there for 20, 25, 50 years, maybe 75 years or more. So on one hand, I think that the funding structures, why not use a plan? Why don't we take a look at the whole mill rate of the region come up with the amount of money needed to make up that shortfall and apply it as a mill rate, effectively a mathematical model of a mill rate throughout the municipality and everybody pays their fair share on the total, the, the total assessment. Okay, now I can wake up because that dream's over. Um, <laughs> you haven't changed on it. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But I, I, 
I, I think that there, on one hand, I think this is a, a, a fantastic facility. It's going to be built and it's going to be there for a lot of years. And I don't have a problem with spending the spending a uh, reserve because I think that's what we should be using our money for is putting stuff in the ground rather than um, having a fiction that we have the spare money running around. But that's just my own feeling. Well, and if I may respond to that, whether the county just asking for this amount, they're very happy with whatever the town of Missouri chooses to contribute. It was never meant to be, uh, uh, oh, you know, we should be giving more because of this, that, or they only need this amount. That was never the issue. I mean, if you look at the G5, which is Virtual Saddle Hills, uh, Spirit River, MDM Spirit, and Rycroft, they just gave by what they could afford. They had no formula whatsoever. Everybody figured out what they could afford, and they're doing the same with it as far as actually funding the operations of it. Um, this was simply, you know what, we're looking at how much money do we have to build the building. This was a new expense that we hadn't fully anticipated, and so the request came in. Was, was there a request made for an amount of money to ignore the lights that ended up being, and I don't care about the amount, I'm not asking for that, but was there a request made to Northern Lights that was much higher than the 50000 and they moved to the fifty? The Actually, the request that went out to the other municipalities, to all the municipalities, actually, is what came before to give. And so, in the meantime, they, like I said last week, we got the, the motion from Northern Lights, and that's what they proposed to give. So, but our but we had a request of 150. What they had, that's my, my point is maybe semantic, but if you'd come to us and said, uh, we'd like you to revisit what you have, give us what you can, that's one thing. Where the other, my question is quite specific, straightforward, where the other municipalities asked for, could you give us an extra X amount of money, and then they came back with a 50, or was it, what can you afford? No, the others weren't asked, but because they had already committed, and we had any commitment from the town of Conserva, that's why that letter was submitted. We didn't have a motion from the town saying this is how much we'll give, so that figure was thrown out as, well, we can consider this. Okay. Well, that case, three fifty. They're not. They weren't sending it out specifically. Oh, okay. And it wasn't going to be a. You didn't give us five hundred. You only gave us this. It would be a. Thank you very much for the three fifty. It's a regional facility, and they're happy to have any of the regional partners contribute to it. Thank you. It does need to fit. Uh, you need to squeeze fourteen dollars into that facility. Shall we down? So I, I just wanted to say that, uh, first of all, in the last uh, five, six years now, um, we have had many discussions, different council, a little bit less this council, but the original um, agreement uh, or ask was, okay, uh, got to a position where Northern Sunrise, you know, bend to the wheel, get this clinic done. Um, and the question came back to all councils, can you contribute? And I think Peace River Council at that point in time, we had a talk and we were basically looking at the one acre kind of infrastructure and that was where the 350,000 came from. But I would just like to comment that um, we do want to continue to attract uh, physicians and other healthcare uh, people to this um, to our town and to the region. And this is one thing that they do look at. It's like everyone else, they tend to look at the new and shiny and think that that would be wonderful to work in. So if we can get a new and shiny clinic, that might help the cause. 
The other uh, thing is um, employers, when they try to get people to come and live in our area, one of the questions I think they are often asked is what's the medical system like here? Can I get a doctor or not? Uh, what's the school system like? That sort of thing. And I think it goes into that whole discussion about attraction of other residents to our region and um, what services, what quality of life that they can then um, how? By living in Peace River or the area? Well, for me, it's, uh, well, we, 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 can't, we can't afford the request, but this is a vision that's been out there for 12 years, and, and we need to take uh, it up date, I guess, because uh, otherwise it'll be another 12 years. Might be good for your uh, long term. Or I'll be retired. I suppose it would be kind of a, you know, I see what Mr. Good is saying, and, and um, it would, if you're going to do something, it would be nice to do it right the first yeah. time. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough to just, I, I feel like, like, it's all kind of like, well, it, it's going to suck because, you know, because of Peach River. Uh, you know, like, yeah, sure, you know, uh, I get to tell my kids no all the time, but I, you know, they don't post on Facebook about how much I'm horrible at being a dad, so I don't, you know, I kind of have to put up with it. I can just send them to bed. Um, is it possible, should we go for this whole $550,000? Is it possible to put out a press release? And I guess now I'm, I'm maybe I'm going around Mr. Parker and directing uh, Ms. Hume, and I apologize, as to what the town of Peace River is actually going to have to go through in order to send uh, a half a million plus dollars, uh, you know, this way. Because I get the feeling that none of the other municipalities are dipping into any of their tax stabilization funds, uh, you know, to make this happen. Um, you know, we, we don't have as much blood to bleed, but we're willing to bleed a higher percentage of it, and if, even at the 350. So, you know, I'd like to do it right. I just don't see why doing it right hinges on us. Well, I do see why doing it right hinges on us. I just don't like it. There, I've got Because you believe in quality. So I guess uh, there needs to be a vote. So why don't you uh, make the motion, Ms. Anzer, and uh, if that one doesn't pass, then we can maybe go to a lower number. Um, I move that um, Peace River uh, contribute uh, $552,203.13 towards the um, Peace River Primary Care Clinic. Care Clinic. Why don't you make it 15 cents and we can talk about our over contribution? I would do that friendly amendment if that's happiness. Uh, <coughs> One more question. Could you review the financial impact between the 350 and the 500? Yeah, so really quickly, um, at five hundred fifty-two thousand, that's an additional twenty thousand dollars we would have to come up, which is um, a tenth of a tenth of a mill. It's not a 
huge burden, but again, you know, as we have all these other municipal costs and fleeters, um, you know, as we remember during the budget last year, even before council was able to um, make any dis decisions around uh, improving services or changing existing services, we already had to have a tax rate impact of, of uh, you know, 2.8%. So, and those, again, those are small amounts. It's $20,000 here, $30,000. It also uh, depletes our reserve balances. So again, our the mill rate stabilization reserve and our other operating reserves, let's say um, approximately $1.5 million. Reducing it by 350, that's a, that's a 22, 23% reduction. Um, reduces our financial flexibility. That's 550,000, we're down below a million dollars for our real immediate um, monies that we're able to access for, from our operating reserves and reduces our financial flexibility. Financially, I would caution that. Um, and say that probably puts us in a, you know, in obviously a worsening situation. And I'd be very careful about um, depleting at that amount. Don't forget, you just gave away seventy-five hundred for development. Just set a plan. <laughs> okay. And then call for a vote for five hundred fifty thousand. Going once, going twice. All in favor? Against. Okay. You got your five hundred thousand. Well. Look at all the smiles on our faces. We might be drawing the line on the next one. <laughs> well, on behalf of North Dakota County, thank you, and it will go in the building. So, so the percentage of our entire reserves that we are committing, can we get commitments from Northern Sunrise County for that same percentage of theirs? Is that a possibility? I'm not the right person to ask. But I'll look into it. Can you carry the letter? But I think you know. I think the town consumer should be proud because the reality is, it is a big percentage for you guys. And that, you know, with all respect to what Don was saying there, so I think people need to be aware that, you know, you gave definitely more than we probably could afford. So, good telling. We have a beautiful planning community. We make it so. And many doctors. Well, that's up for <laughs> That's part of the agreement. <laughs> can we just stay here while we're living? Is that the next one? Yes, it is. I can sit over there. I'll sit next to my dog. Or should we take a break before this one? Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a recess five, ten minutes. <laughs> so AHS is give me a break one. One iota. <laughs> so your worship and council, I think I'll I'll start briefly. Um, you've had my report in your hand since Thursday, so I fully expect that council has um, 
read it in depth and are very um, clear about what the, what the ask is here. Um, so something I will say again from a staff perspective um, is that we uh, feel that this council does consider some type of uh, assistance um, that tax exemptions probably aren't the best mechanism to do so. Is truthfully, it, it devalues the the work that the town does from a municipal level. We provide services to properties within the town, um, and those those requirements to to pay for and service those properties uh, do not go away. So philosophically, there's there's a bit of an issue in terms of exempting properties because you're really absolving the property owners of those responsibilities. And at the provincial level, it's a little bit like downloading. Um, so staff are asking that if council does consider assistance, that it's redirected towards some type of funding, whether it's through some grant process or other type process. It could be tied to taxes or prevent or percentage of taxes if you so choose. Um, but we feel that that's probably the best mechanism to to consider any type of assistance. Um, and then finally, and this is again identified within the report, um, that it in turn be considered if it's too strategic and uh, common sense reasons to do so. First of all, something in perpetuity is always a, a little problematic. Um, plus it binds future councils, which uh, has been a commitment of this council to try to reduce that um, you know, financial or contractual um, binding for, for future future councils. So, uh, staff recommendation is limiting any any type of agreement or assistance to uh, five years, which could of course be continued at the discretion of future councils. Um, but to do something uh, any longer probably is a, a little problematic for for council to consider. Um, there are a couple options here. Uh, we have some. Uh, guests in here who can introduce themselves and they're prepared to answer uh, any questions could be directed at uh, myself or, or you guys I'll let you introduce yourself and they probably have a few words to say um, in support of the call. Good evening, my name is Sandra Herrick and I work as a senior operating officer for Alberta Health Services for the North Zone. Um, and I know I want to say first and foremost that this has been an iterative process with regards to the work that's been underway for the last 12 years, and especially right now that we've had this generous offer of Northern and Sunrise County, and now the town is serving with their contribution. Um, Alberta Health Services in itself is property tax exempt. And so a letter was written to the, the municipality asking for support for the physician as part of their tax exemption request to be able to support moving into the building with the regions. As part of the iterative part process, um, this recognition that the 14,000 square foot building, all inclusive, will be a shared facility with the physicians and with AHS staff. And by this I mean the physicians will be consumer and also AHS clinical staff by way of addiction mental health, population public health. Um, chronic disease management, health promotion. And so there'll be, you know, just because it's going to be about eight to 10 clinical resources 
that will also be occupying this building. So there will be, in essence, a co-located, integrated, team-based model of care that supports seamlessness and patient family-centered care. And so I think it's leading edge, and I think pieces are going to be put on the map as a, re as a result of this. So I just want to make sure that you guys are aware and to speak to a lot of points that were made earlier around recruitment, protection, physician availability, resource availability. Um, I think that this will be able to pull all of this together and it will create an effective efficient healthcare system for the people in surrounding areas. So um, I think what we're asking for tonight, because it will be an AHS building and it will be 14,000 square foot shared inclusively, that we're asking for assurance that the building is recognized as an AHS facility and therefore under the NGA it is tax exempt. Um, yeah, it's the discussions so far are that the physician group will be sharing in the cost of operating the building. We are not going into a rental situation. So the physicians that will be practicing out of the building will not be, this will not be a tenant um, building owner um, arrangement. We are going into this as a cooperative multidisciplinary clinic type model. Um, it's not, I'm here representing AHS. I'm not here representing the physicians or asking for forgiveness of, of taxes. We just need to know planning ahead what the costs of, of being in this building are going to be. That is vital to recruitment and retention of the physicians. I'm now in recruitment mode again. We do need more physicians. And I have to be able to tell the new physicians that are coming that we're competitive with other clinics like Fairview and Sturt River and High Prairie and Valley View. Um, if, if our costs suddenly, suddenly we turn around and there are some property taxes to be paid, we need to know this all up front. Um, if that's the case, we need to know under what conditions they would be payable and under what conditions they wouldn't. So that's really what we're here asking is for some clarity on that. A lot of things revolve around semantics, as they always do. The original letter we got said that the physicians had agreed to pay roughly $700 a month rent. No, um, that's what the physicians pay now. Oh, oh about the Okay, whatever amount. Like the fixed number, it was called rent. But it's not And that was the first letter. And then the letter said one group drew a line here, the next group drew a line here, and if you don't bet to what they drew, this place doesn't get built and it's on you. Uh, effectively, that's how the letter was written. But who was that letter from? Could have been written better. Who was that letter from? Right. It was from I wrote oh, the letter. Wrote it? Yeah. <laughs> because I think as part of the point made around making an iterative process, a lot of the discussions were around, I'm going to be honest, it was the us, them approach. And I think as we had further dialogue and discussions and planning around what the clinic would look like, and how we evolve to expand into collaborative care practice and that camp campus of care in essence is what we want to go for. And that's when the decision as part of this why we're here today is to identify that it's not an us approach. We're not asking the physicians for a rent or a lease agreement to support ten thousand square feet of that space. We'll, we will all of us will be using the space in its entirety. Right. So um, again sort of semantics, but 
the physician contribution to this. I mean, and by the way, this doesn't necessarily indicate which way I'm going to go on because I have no clue this particular point. Um, the physician's contribution, is it going to be based on a percentage of costs that are necessary? In other words, it can rise or lower depending on what happens, so it's not a fixed fee and it's not identical to the $1,100 that used to be called rent. If you can see rent going on that, that's a question I would have. Um, I'm, I'm more comfortable if it's a physician because physicians are, I mean, you hear from, I hear from both sides. I hear some physicians say, you know, we're here for the public good and God bless them because they've saved my life on more than one occasion so I haven't been But they want to be private business people and they want to behave like private business people at one, but to some degree and then they want to not be private business people on the other hand and then you should subsidize them to come here. And, um, again, I'm not totally against that. I mean, we take look tax breaks for businesses all the time and consider them for something that's desirable. But it's those dichotomies, I think, that really give that bring the question up of it. And that's, I think, what we're wrestling with here is those kind of those kind of things. So maybe you can give us some kind of clarity around that or that you think would help. Either well, one. all physicians are paid by Alberta Health, not Alberta Health Services. Just so everybody's aware, there's, those are two distinct groups. Um, we get paid, we, we can only bill to a fee schedule. So if my expenses go up, I either have to work a lot more hours to make more money because I cannot tell Alberta Health, look, I, my expenses have gone up, I need to charge a little bit more. So if I was selling widgets, I could up the price of my widgets and, and make more money. So that's part of the where you get that dichotomy okay. of physicians is that we are basically paid a set amount determined by the government and given the negotiations that are going forward, that amount may fall, but that's a whole other story. Um, and what I'm here, I'm here as community medical director. I need this project going, I need this project to go forward because I think it's vital to getting more physicians and keeping the ones we thought. But by the same token, the physicians aren't asking for a free ride. We're still willing to pay a portion of the expenses. Um, it's just the total amount, if, if we suddenly have to go from paying 25% of our income to 50% of our income, it's going to be it's going to be a detriment to keeping docs here. And it was easier, I think, um, or more effective to do a comparison of what other physicians are paying and other municipalities kind of have some of the books sets, and that's why we decided on the 1100 because we can get the spirit worker and that's what we can get the And Bellevue and, and Fairview and Fairview. And so it's very similar across the region. So we're pretty. We are, but. <laughs> and your parking lot just got amazing. Yes, thank you. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Point six five acres larger. Uh, if I may, Mr. Mayor, um, part of the part of the challenge has been because London Sunrise County, you know, downtown is similar to such large communities in those kind of areas. We wanted to ensure that physicians were going to actually use the medical home, and so we put pressure on both the physicians and the HS to set out. We don't care what you come up with, but if you come up with an agreement that will guarantee us as funders that you will use it now. Um, because, and then no offense to Alberta Health Services, but those are county and Alberta Health Services, all want to build buildings for Health Services. We want a medical home. And so I think that's where some of the, the challenges have come with trying to figure out how we get these guys to agree 
done according to Robert's rules of law order. There's no arm wrestling <laughs> allowed. Uh, so, so you, on one hand, you 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 said, okay, there's this letter, but really it wasn't meant to be. There, there was meant to be some some wiggle room, and I heard that we're willing to pay our share, but I need to know what it is so that I can put together my recruitment package. And what what? How does the grants and lead program work? Uh, a provincial building used to at least offer a instead of taxes they would actually give us a grant well, I, I, yeah so the social housing grants in lieu were lost a couple of years ago but i believe there are still grants in lieu for some facilities and i see alan is nodding his head over there he would have a list of what those would be so so provincial buildings do pay under the grants and lieu program um, but the medical type facilities do not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they are exempted uh, from the requirement to pay tax. Okay, so the EMS dispatch center doesn't pay taxes. No. The hospital doesn't pay taxes. That's correct. What else doesn't pay taxes? Schools. And schools don't. That's correct. Yeah, that's um, because they tax everything. <laughs> I think there's a thing about them in government. It's kind of a long-standing tradition, I believe. So I'll, I'll just—I just kind of want to point something out okay. before we go down a path we cannot detour. Um, based on the information here, where they're talking of more of these cohabitated or collaborative type things, um, this is kind of leading into a question that I think we'd have to address to the assessor. Um, for him to determine the status. I'm quickly looking through the NGA and I'm not as familiar with the Alberta portion. Um, but I, I am seeing word here where if it's the, the property isn't used, um, like 30% or 40% of the property isn't used for that primary uh, focus, then you know, it probably isn't exempt. Um, and again, from a cohabitation perspective, you know, how is that gauged? Um, would that actually make the building less exempt if they consider the cohabitation thing? So I, I would need to ask the assessor these questions. So concept of or granting um, an exemption for taxes, I don't know if council could make that decision tonight because I'd have to gather some more information based on this new information. So, but, but another approach would be to look at. Well, I, I, I guess Dr. Langard needs needs an idea of okay, how much how much does this affect the uh, the the, uh, the fixed costs for uh, for the people that you want to bring in. So if they're saying, Mr. Town is, yeah, we have this letter, we've had time to think about it, but we need another week or two weeks. How, how much time well, can you give us? Well, Northern Sunrise County gave us a deadline of March 16th, which has come and gone. 
Um, now it's April 13th. So, I mean, we so now it's April 13th. We we need some idea of what we're what the expenses will be and what the if there's any like if there's another model that wouldn't wouldn't be subject to property taxes and we need to know that so that um, we can do further planning and brainstorming and come up with something that works if that's what we need to do um, it, um, to make this competitive with the other um, clinics in the region and I'm competing with Fairview for docs, Valley for docs um, if you know if we're if everybody's charging eleven hundred and in Tree Server you've got to pay another now another three hundred dollars a month to cover your share of that is that just be divided out by fourteen dogs. That's if I have fourteen dogs. Um, it would be another three hundred dollars per month per physician. So for instance in the town of uh, Spirit River, the eleven hundred that the doctors pay, does that include property taxes of any sort? So who pays their property tax? Eleven hundred is all the doctors pay in uh, So what's happening with the property tax for that building? And I'm not hundred percent sure because that building is municipally owned because the five municipalities own that one. Um, so again, I'd have to check is the state considered it tax exempt because it's municipally owned, which can only be tax exempt or what they're doing. Um, you know, just to speak to Dr. Munger's point there, like um, in Flair the doctors are now all getting cars from the municipalities. So they get a house right now, and now they're requesting cars. So are they elected? I don't know. <laughs> I promise you we won't ask for cars. I'm just saying that to Dr. Lungard's point, that it is getting harder and harder to attract doctors. That's a reality. The, the bottom line is um, a lot of doctors are getting whatever they ask for. Um, I don't know how many doctors they have. Oh, no, they're down to one. Oh, they're down to one now? Yeah. Oh, so cars need cars. <laughs> You're banned. Uh, yeah. Plus, they're trying to attract well, the new doctors. Uh, with a purchase price of $1,700 to be yours. I said <laughs> times. Or times what? Ten. They have Probably not even. Bingo, please. We, we yeah. only require you know, and other kind of doctors. Uh, so much for the purchase price. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we need to know. Well, to answer your question earlier, I think between the assessor and you would contact municipal affairs and do a little bit more research. Um, we could probably have an answer or something to, to look into in two days. Um, our issue is we don't have another council meeting for two days. Day on Friday. You think about doing um, um, not a like, like a temporary exemption or a hold on it is it's sort it's sort of, well it's how they get you to buy a phone or a subprime mortgage or whatever it's like well it's this price now i mean it'll go up later but don't think about that so your long-term recruitment strategy would yeah. become no more effective with no. a temporary hold on on anything not unless you're willing to go 10 years which is the length of agreement we're working on with ahs by then the government may we're talking about constraining future councils we would right. we would definitely be doing that we would. all more than once So I can constrain myself. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Mm, okay. Um, so, what about a funding contribution model? 
say it's 50,000 and we contribute 25,000 a year and or 50 percent and would we be able to go back since this is an iterative process go back to the other municipalities and ask if they would be willing to contribute the funding contribution that would cover the uh, well number and really so what what is the number that you think is going to be attractive well zero i know well that's but right i mean right now in our present model um we're paying about fifteen thousand dollars in property taxes which the physicians okay. pay and have been paying now for me it's been for 38 years right. um thank you you're welcome yeah, your residents appreciate it so, so that's um, why we should carry on with taxation of the new facility. So who owns the current, sorry, the current building? Who owns that? The current building is owned by a group of physicians, of which only one live, no, two live here that are both retired. My husband and five physicians who no longer live here. And part of that's the new physicians would have bought into that, but we've been this close to having a new building or four times in that time span so right. that model kind of fell apart you know we we had this vision 12 years ago uh, it was a medical center of excellence it had a um, it had a residence space for locums and, and residents uh, even though it's called a medical center of excellence it didn't envision having a laboratory right. research facility did have a component for uh, uh, to allow families that were under medical stress, and then the the rest of the building was uh, a medical clinic. So we're halfway there. Mm -hmm. So we've had to adjust the vision and, and adjust it. This is the last piece of the vision. So, but there must be some attraction just from the front point of view that this is a new building. You'll have brand new equipment, I imagine. Well, if there's enough funds to go that far. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fairview's got a their clinic's older, but it still looks pretty good and pretty new. Spirit River's got a brand new one. Um, Bellevue's wasn't built too too awfully long ago, a, a while, but um, so that's the kind of thing we're competing with, and we're competing with High Prairie where the physicians work in the clinic and don't pay any expenses whatsoever. So maybe in this town, in the next few weeks or a week or whatever, you can put together a package where we can give a number that Dr. Lundard can use in their sales brochure. <laughs> And then, and this, and obviously you'll need to bounce it off Sandra and Karen and see where we're, you know, if this will make it fit and come up with some kind of solution to, uh, to attract doctors. So, and we do have some money set aside for physician retention and Attraction of attention, right? So, 
And up with something a little more innovative. And we recognize and thank the town for sponsoring the apartment that we've been using for locum physicians and nurses. And hopefully, as soon as Rotary House is opening, opening their doors, that um, we can um, recoup. You know, we won't have to pay for that anymore. I think it's important to recognize as well that outside of physician recruitment, it's just other healthcare staff. This is your therapists, the outpatient therapists, the registered nurses, child patients that we always struggle with keeping and retaining in this area. And so that's a big interest for this as well. We, given that, that the 24.5, right, is the, the um, given that you're looking for a number or for something today because you, you have an ask for Friday and you have to give something by Friday. I mean, can, you know, once Rotary House is sorted out, which should be soon, very soon, like if that, and that money's already been budgeted for, you know, if we can make at least that, there's a possibility to make that commitment so you have something. Otherwise, you're coming back with nothing, is that, or what? Well, I think it needs to be a pack. Like it needs to be a logical, more comprehensive, yeah, and logical, coherent, yeah, cogent package that Karen can put in the sales brochure right. and say, "Listen, this is a place to come. We've got all these amenities, plus your fixed costs, your overhead costs will be. You can count on it coming from this award." Well, just so you're clear, aside. Um, we will still have overhead costs, which for right now, for operating our clinic, is a million dollars a year. Okay. That and then this eleven hundred is on would be on top of that. This eleven hundred is to help pay for the operating costs of the new clinic. Oh, okay. So we're just so you don't go away right. thinking that's all a physician pays a month for overhead. No, okay, we so hire. So right now there's. Well, we have a full complement. There's well, there's thirteen of us right now. Okay, so but supposedly there's supposed to be fourteen. It costs you a million dollars a year to uh, pay staff and right. so on and so forth, and so you divide it fourteen ways. Right. Roughly. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit of prorated basis, but that's yeah. Okay, and so you want to keep that cost as close to a million. And this is a cost above and beyond that. This right. eleven hundred that we're talking. And Dale's any consideration. You want to kind of, I hate to use the word in perpetuity, but effectively effectively in perpetuity. Effectively, yeah. So um, that million dollars roughly if the for example, let's say the province comes in there and well, you don't have to pay taxes. But you do pay fuel bills. So your fuel bills aren't prorated. They would be the same as everybody else paying. So if the cost of fuel goes up, um, the doctors end up paying that. They pay in, they pay the fuel or is AHS pay the fuel. I just want to get an understanding of what we're talking about here. So when we think of when we think about the operating costs of the new facility, um, when we get our numbers from our capital planning guy, it is much higher than what we've identified for the physicians. Because the cost would have been, I mean, um, we estimate the cost to offer 
in the building. We will be about two hundred seventy-five to four hundred thousand dollars a year, just in case of our um, IPIM rights power. Uh, environment services, FME, property management, the whole gamut. And so when we look at those costs, that's what we're going to pay for. Keeping in mind that this will this will money that we will get from this position will essentially true because as the number of positions go down, if they go down, the AHS won't get that money. Right? So in, for example, for the first five years, we're looking at recouping 184.5 from the position group if they have 14 positions complement. So that's a nice to have, but it's not a guaranteed income for AHS to be able to support the operations of that building. So AHS will pay the rest of those costs. So effectively, you're kicking in on the retention. Oh, you're effectively yes, kicking yes. in on the retention side. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. so we're, we know that this is not guaranteed income for AHS. It's basically to offset a portion of the cost that we require to be able to yeah, I think you've given us a lot of information that we didn't have before, and it really sounds like great. It's just that uh, when you uh, retrain your staffs and develop something that is palatable to the public, because the way the public sees this is one of the higher earner income earners in the community is not paying their fair share of that. And unfortunately, that's partly because whenever they talk about how much money doctors make, they tell you our gross income. They don't calculate it after we paid our staff and after we paid our fees and after we paid our rent. I mean, yeah. we, we do have a strategic goal of creating the West Hill and completing that vision that, uh, that the doctors pulled together 12 years ago. So we want to make that all happen. So I think, Craig, I think you're going to have to sit down and see what we work your magic. <laughs> so, so just to be clear then, Craig, Sandra and Sharon are going to talk and talk to assessors and whoever else in the background and try and come up with the tax implications on that building. Is that what? So just just so I'm clear, based on what I'm hearing, um, we're going to discuss what options um, how AHS could operate this so they could um, eliminate or reduce their burden well not well, I think we need to go with what uh, Dr. Mungard said she said okay it's not that we're not willing to pay our fair share but I need to know what it is so that I can plan my recruitment strategy around those numbers now obviously if that number is way too high my job is going to be that much more difficult so we we're trying to build a health care I know uh, the purists don't like it this way, but we're trying to build a healthcare industry in this in this community. So we so I think for accountants and 
people like ourselves who need to think of this as an industry and we're trying to attract them here and we're this is this is not the highest income earners in the province from a gross point of view are getting a tax exemption. We're, we're trying to this would be no different than trying to attract a biopharmaceutical to the to the town of and what right. kind of tax breaks would we do? And the tax break isn't necessarily to the individual right. physicians, it's to AHS who owns the building. Right. And maybe and maybe maybe the solution is wait, I I don't think we're we're pointing you in a certain direction. We're just saying, okay, there like a lot of this information we weren't aware of either. And I understand. Um, based on this I think there's two possible outcomes. Yeah. Either we come up with a formula or system where the entirety of the property is exempt from taxes, or we come back and have this discussion and decide if we're willing to fund the positions as a, some type of enticement or reduction for the property taxes which is required on the building. Unless there's a third option, I'm not seeing, but I, I believe the assessor will say, based on how they plan on setting this up, it'll be exempt. And then, you know, that's easier for everyone, but then the town technically loses out because, again, we're responsible for um, the perpetual <coughs> maintenance on, on the property, but there's a benefit to the, the town and residents, and we all understand that, or, or it won't be tax criteria, and we'll have to figure out other mechanisms to try to to make it more appetizing. Yeah, we, we, need, we need more time. I think we just have to start more time. Well, it's in Sunshine County, as I was thinking. We need to tell them that they need to give us some more time. When, when was their schedule in terms of breaking ground and having? They need this letter of intent between the positions and AHS before they'll break ground. And when were they, what was the, May 1st? May 1st? Well, the beginning of May 1st, I think. Um, so at any rate, so they are waiting for, and again, that's no pressure, it's just the reality is that they don't want any more money to make sure. Well, I mean, no, more pressure is on them than on you guys. So the, the bottom line is we just need it so that we know the position when we're in there is very important to you guys now we make sure that we build it as well. So we need confirmation that they're going to go in there, they have to figure that out. Um, well, North of Sunshine found out today that we were committing half a million dollars to the project. So tell them to buy a glass of wine. But you can't accept it. That's right. Okay. But then that means no decision for two weeks. Is that right? You mentioned uh, Well, you said that we were going to say it's over now. Pardon me? I just said we were going to say it's over now. So, I'll speak in this whole cause. Two weeks is a long time in terms of a construction start. So, if there was any way that we could one week it. Well, we should put up that. Uh, Diarena project uh, and it was pretty cool. 
I know, but no contracts are going to be signed, which takes a little bit of whatever uh, until steps fall into place. So I don't know. I'll just ask: uh, Is it possible that it could be done by next Monday and maybe a special meeting for that? I don't know. Administrations. Oh, well, that'd be called special meeting. Yeah. You know, it's been 12 years. I don't know. Honestly, two weeks. Yeah, I think everyone wants to get going, but I wanted to get going 12 years ago and nobody listened to me, so. Um, I wasn't around then. Well, I think, you, I think we want it done right, but I think part of, part of the issue that I think, um, if I can, I'm not trying to speak for Greg because seriously, he does a great job for himself, but. I think the difficulty we're having is again going down to wording for to to a degree. If it if it's an AHS building, then it's tax free. We understand that, and we might even be able to live with that. But if the fee is eleven hundred dollars to the doctor and has to stay there, that looks an awful lot like rent. Which then again, under legislation and under the MCA, makes it difficult to write that to have that written off. You know, there's there's semantic things here that I think are on that are not the responsibility of the town to a degree to use language and use definitions that assist the town in getting to a decision. And uh, when it keeps coming back to eleven hundred dollars as that, it, if if I was Revenue Canada, I might go and come along and say, "Yeah, you can do what you want," but or whoever, whatever organizations or the taxation organization, that's not, that's not taxes. That's not exempt, that's whether you think it is or not, it's not come back to us and say, you guys stepped into an area where you really shouldn't have stepped into it. I think, am I correct in that some of the stuff you've done, you have to make it legislatively valid. Yeah, I mean, we're, we might be trying to play some kind of round object in a square box and it, it may not work. And, there are a lot of semantics involved in this, and I just want to be very clear. Yeah, that's my concern. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I that and it's in perpetuity. And anyway, so those are the, some of the difficulties that we face as a municipality. We just can't come along and say, "Oh, don't like that law. Don't like that part of the MTA. Let's change it." You know. So, anyways, I'll leave it at that. But that's probably my real concern is, and to some degree, the time limits are being. I know there's no pressure. But the time limits are being sort of put on us to some degree, and I'm going to say this as kindly as I can because the work wasn't done at the other end to come up with the, because two weeks ago it was a letter asking for rent, and now it's changed, the terminology tonight has changed. But we have a time limit that we're supposed to, to work with. So that's a little difficult. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem that I think we can make. And maybe, maybe they've already touched, put the solution in the letter and we'll just make that happen. I'd like to get some sense from Greg whether, uh, yeah, I think through your discussion, maybe you'll come up with something or at least you'll get a sense of what he's going to recommend. And we usually follow whatever he recommends. Mm -hmm. 
we're one for two tonight, so. Yeah. So you'll be going to the... I get feeling you're going to draw this to an end, but you got to allow me to rant for a minute. Uh, we, we're having a problem-solving discussion, so uh, the mayor should keep me on track, and we should do that. But, Sandra, when I read your letter, my blood went right over the top. I, you know, and, and maybe you need to educate me on Alberta Health and AHS. But when I read $22.1 billion in expenses in healthcare in this province, the biggest ministry ever, we spend $2.5 million an hour on healthcare, we spend $60 million a day. And I read a letter that says I need $50,000 to make this project work. I think I'm the only conservative in this room. I think everybody should pay their fair share of taxes. And the information I've heard tonight about the competitiveness of doctors is helpful. I, I appreciate that. But I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe this. Like, the, the, the audacity of AHS to ask us to do this just, I'll, I'll say it, boils my blood. Boils my blood. It's not AHS asking for the fifty thousand. The letter. Well, that's what my letter says. It. Okay. The so. letter was written to support the physicians to not have to pay the fifty-five thousand dollars in taxes for the ten thousand square feet that they were going to provide support to AHS for. And so, I'm going to be completely honest. When we were going into the building, we did take an unscaling coat with regards to the bill. So it was going to take. Separately, a separate building, not a separate building, but separate entities going into an agreement in a building. So the physician clinic was going to take 10,000 square feet, 4,000 of that square feet was going to be shared space to be utilized by AHS and the physician. I, I understand. And so it was a letter of support for the physicians to get an exemption of their taxes. Not for AHS because we are So, so who's my fight with then? Is it for Northern Sunrise County that wants the press release before the project is fully developed, or is it with my medical community who I visit regularly, or is it with the healthcare provider? So, so who's my fight with? All three? Probably. Like to do this at the eleventh hour and push the residents of the town of Peace River into a corner like this, this is embarrassing. Like I. And I'm not sure what Greg Town's going to do. I'm not sure what he's going to do. And again, the mayor should cut me off. This should be a problem solving, but this is this isn't the way to develop a project. So it was it was supposed to be divided four thousand to ten thousand, but now it's recognizing that that would mean the physicians would be on the hook for the whole amount of the property taxes. We brainstormed some other solutions to try and... Oh, okay, so if you divided it up, then you wouldn't be on the hook? No, we would be. Oh, okay. That, that was the word that we was, got back from the town. That was the original oh, intent okay. of the building, was that right. it was gonna be a split facility for oh, instance. Just, yeah. if I could figure, so the other thing that's not clear in the note is there's some, some, um, some cowboy math in there. I don't know how the numbers would, because it doesn't say 14 doctors or 12 doctors. Is it 14? Is, is that because right. the briefing note doesn't say? The building will be built to house a minimum of 14 doctors. Okay. So when the math is presented in that briefing note, the 14 number is the number but that was used on that. We might only have nine doctors. But you used 14.
that's that's what the building is being built for okay. so if we can attract 14 doctors that's and if we can get 16 we'll squeeze on the other two we will we will time share okay. i mean we're, we're working out of a clinic that's built for yeah. nine yeah. and exactly. we've had as many as 14 working out of it yeah. you just can't always work on the day you want to work and just to add as well, AHS wanted to be partnerships with the physicians to have the collaborative care approach and have the patient and family-centered care approach and seamlessness and an interprofessional model. We didn't have to take this on with the physicians, but it was in our best interest for the town of Peace to be innovative in our approach to health care. And so we embraced the applicant to be able to work alongside the physician group. And yes, it did suggest it, it, You don't have to sell call and eat on, do you? Like I, I, I see it. I'm, I'm with you 100. percent I, I, I would. I've been in this town 35 years. I've watched Dr. Willicks and others struggle with this thing, and this is as close as this project has ever gone. So you don't have to convince me on that. I, I'm just frustrated with this level of detail coming out in public this late in the game. Uh, it's not the way I would have approached it. But. We've been working on the letter of intent for quite some time, and there's been a number of revisions and back and forth with the physician group of council as well, in order to get us to the point where we are this evening. So it's not like we just sent the letter and then we sat back and waited. It's been a work in progress for several months now. Legal counsel. Okay, with that, we'll we'll uh, we'll. Uh, Set it aside, and you might actually get certainly a sense from Craig even before the two weeks what happened at the patient. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. On behalf of Northern Sunrise County, thank you. And thank you very much for the contributions. I'll be delighted. Thank you. Yeah, maybe a motion to defer. Uh, this particular item to the April 23rd. I'll make it. All there? Okay. Um, Darcy Hogan recognition. Yes, Your Worship. Uh, would you like me to start with the. Uh, with the direct attention portion, or should I start with the uh, report first? Okay. Okay, so I, apparently we're all aware of the uh, tragedy that happened uh, last Friday with the Broncos bus in Saskatchewan. Um, claimed the life of uh, former Navigators coach Darcy Hogan. Um, I do have history with, with that organization. Um, I did reach out to Leroy Hogan this morning. Uh, I did send my condolences to him and his family on behalf of the town. Um, he was quite appreciative of that. He really, really loves Peace River. He's been here forever. Um, with that being said, I reached out to his worship this morning at work and uh, he gave me permission to extend those condolences to the city of Humboldt which I tried to make contact today. I have not been able to reach their mayor yet. I did send them a text. I also spoke to uh, Kevin Geringer, who is the, uh, the president of the Broncos Association, and uh, extended, uh, extended our condolences on behalf of the town. 
Uh, I did let them know that uh, all the flags are at half-mast here and basically that uh, a lot of the residents and the, the uh, people in the area are just devastated. Um, one message from uh, Kevin Geringer coming back is he asked me to uh, pass a message along to the residents here in Peace River as well as the area, as well as council. Um, the Donquid organization would like to extend their sympathies, their condolences uh, to the residents of the town of Peace River for our loss of Darcy Bowen. Sorry. Um, with that being said, um, there has been a lot of phone calls. Um, there's been quite a, as Byron, Councillor Scanlon Horn sent an email this weekend. There's been quite a social media outcry. Uh, for for the town to do something um, as far as the uh, the new arena facility goes. I did reach out to the person on that social media post. Uh, I explained to that person how the uh, how the, the signing rights and all that are being done or being worked out. Uh, I did reiterate that I would take those um, ideas to the committee, um, which I spoke with some of the committee members today. Um, I did speak to Tanya about it today as well. Um, so with that being said, I'd like to put a motion on the floor, if I may, Your Worship, uh, to direct administration to organize a meeting with the Northeast Navigators and bring back options to the council to appropriately memorize Darcy Bogan and his contributions to the Peace River community. Any objections on this report? Sounds like a good idea. All in favor? Passed. That takes us to reports. Uh, there's a briefing note um, regarding community services and review board minutes. So, uh, Don Good is on the review board, correct? Yeah. Is there anything you want to underscore in those minutes? <coughs> no, not really. I'm just, I've really got to tell you, it's the first time I've been in the museum board in probably 14 years. An incredible, incredible group of people. And it was probably one of the most enjoyable educational meetings that I've gone to in a long time. So I, I really, you've got some really good people on that board and some people who have a tremendous amount of dedication and affection for this region. So I was, I was really, really impressed and refreshed by the uh, refreshed by the level of engagement. Because you go, over here in council for a while, you, you can go to some meetings where, yeah, you have the meeting, you do your stuff, and then see you later, out your wife, you know, see you done. And that was not the discussion. The discussion was around real things. There was a lot of laughter around the table. There was a lot of joy in what people were doing. So I just want to bring that part up. It was a very refreshing committee to be part of. That's not really much report on the meat, but <laughs> the important stuff I think it is. We have a great community here, and these people really care. Okay, and then uh, community services minutes. I don't. We can make them separate because most of the board is on the community services. Okay, community services board minutes. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to underscore there? Not really. Just all those. 
Could I ask a question though? Um, so the town's 100th anniversary next year, 2019. Um, Director Bell, the town has a committee and we had terms of reference. Do you have a time frame for um, when we would advertise for public uh, people, public members? We'll start advertising right away. And I anticipate this being an easy fill, almost. Yeah. Um, so I would anticipate a meeting in May uh, as a first inaugural meeting. Yeah. And these people's, it sounds like a liberal thing. We don't know what to mention. Okay, uh, Peace Library System Board meeting highlights. Those would be yours, Ms. Mandel. Anyone to start off with? No, other than the library continues to spend the million dollars they got for uh, the building to upgrade it and so on. That's going well, and they continue on with the Indigenous grant that the province has provided each library system. Take this for information. There's a letter from MMSA dated March the 14th regarding the IDTD boundary plan. And, uh, what should we know from that letter, Mr. Parker? Other than the IDTs are scheduled for. And so, when are they scheduled for? They Right. Yeah. So that's the meeting was the 26th, 27th, 28th, 26th, 27th, and 28th. No. 28th. Yeah. Well, the 28th is 20. with Northern Sunrise County. Yeah. Okay. And so they're, what's on the 27th? You tell me. 26th, 27th, 28th. Okay. 25th, you <coughs> I won't be able to make the request on the 26th, but hopefully we get some more information. So just before you leave that motion, so my question to administration is, do councillors have homework for these things? Uh, show up with all axes and no torches or is it swords and torches or what do we need to do candy canes i believe it's mud wrestling sir oh no it's not um honestly um no there's no homework for it at the moment the idea though is to create policy so my understanding is you'll be there with our counselors you'll be broken out in your small groups and um, there'll be a moderator, uh, and there'll be a bunch of stations. This is my understanding. Yep. And at these stations, there'll be a moderator, a facilitator, and they will then get people's input as to certain policies they need to develop under the IDT. And so they'll take that input They'll go back to their office in Berlin, hammer out what they think the, uh, the policy should read, and then they'll uh, send it back out. And I imagine this is a bit of a process. It's 
Well, that's uh, that is basically it. So we are breaking into little groups. They, they do have little stations. They're going to be talked about the the individual little portions there. Uh, and at the end of the day, hopefully, they're um, and, and it's not going to be just like um, um, our council would be in a small station. They're going to break us up so that they have uh, us paired up with uh, opposite uh, individuals going through it and talk about the various different uh, projects there. So it seems uh, Councillor Stanlorn had his hand up, so he gets to go first. Thank you, uh, Councillor Needham. Is there a possibility of any kind of uh, pre-meeting briefing strategy session discussion? I've sat in uh, a few so far in municipal meetings with varying levels of intensity and uh, I, I don't like to borrow a phrase maybe from an action flick, walking in a room I don't know how to walk out of. Right. So uh, what we could do is if council is interested for next council meeting, we can actually set us a time after the council meeting if we wish. And that's nice and fresh in our mind. We could probably give some. And you'd have to schedule a workshop. Just a workshop. Yeah. I, I like the idea. Uh, if we can find some time, I guess where I was driving was a similar thought. Uh, as I look at the MDFP site, I see three or four issues that come to my mind, and I'm not sure if this is the place where they get tabled or not. And then as I go down the list, I find other issues in other municipalities that I'd like to talk about. There may be some common ones, but there's some specific ones too. And I just, so maybe, I guess if the question is, are we going to have a small dress rehearsal? I'm, I'm up for that, even if it's 20 minutes, just so we can uh, have a common message, whatever that message is. So yes, uh, find some time. Okay, well, we'll see if we can get some. How long are these meetings uh, on the 25th and 26th scheduled for? They start at 3.30. Uh, you're, I think you're trying to aim for five hours each one, approximately. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, my calendar reminder said 3.30 to 9 o'clock. That's what I had set for, so. But I believe they're, they're, you know, they're knocked out the dinner portion. Yeah, so. But you'll be hungry in a minute. Are we supposed to, at the end of, let's say we have the meeting with X community, are we supposed to come out of that meeting that day with some policy? Well, I think this is just partial moving forward. Uh, to be quite honest, uh, Jim, do you have an understanding of how they're... I don't think they're coming up with policies at that. It's just to start creating yeah, the document. Yeah, this would just be like the first session to kind of gauge the common ground between uh, the two councils. And then from there, I think that worries everyone around the city. Huh? When you get excited, everyone's worried. Why? <laughs> I'm just picking up on the room. I'm indifferent to your feelings. <laughs> yeah, the strategy is to match up the counselors with right. the, the officer of the Park. It's like line matching, you know. Okay. 
Interagency's TRC subcommittee is supposed to be sending a letter to us and at least the surrounding municipalities um, inviting councillors and staff to a blanket exercise happening on April 24th, which leads to a very busy week. April 24th at the museum, doors open 5.30 and it starts at 6 p.m. But I thought I would bring it up here because we don't see the letter on the agenda yet and next meeting is the night before. So, so again, if you could keep that in mind, I'm sure the museum and Laura Love in particular will have some more detail. Thank you. I would say that this is a good exercise for everyone to attend at least one of in terms of um, Learning some historical perspectives and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll be visiting my 90 year old mother during that talk. You might have one on this Okay, vote. Any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, comments from the public? Uh, anyone from the public wanting to come up to the speaker's table with any comments? Neither hearing nor seeing anyone coming up. And we'll now go to key communication items. So um, I'll first turn to Autumn and ask her what messages should be coming out of here. Uh, certainly after tonight, I think some clarity on the primary care center. And I definitely agree with Councillor Scanlon here that uh, there's a lot of background context the public should probably be aware of. The efforts that council's taken to try and see that this gets funded in a timely fashion is important to note. Um, also, going to throw in the first quarter grants to groups applications um, and uh, yeah, some stuff about the memorial for nursing building. So, um, wildlife fire management, there'll be an education program coming out. We typically do an annual education around this about the same time that the fire department does their hazard reduction burns. We'll publish a series of photos along with some information about Peace River's um, plans, strategies, and emergency planning around that time. So typically, uh, the last, I guess this will be my third year, the last few years that I've been involved with that, it's already happened by now, like mid-March, so. Yeah. So talking about snow and still going into ice, where is the Mercy River right now? Between Elks Island and Hill. As of yesterday, it was 40 kilometers upstream of the bridge. So quite a ways up. Yeah. It's still quite a ways up right now. The progression uh, is fairly slow all weekend, only you know, between, making between three to five kilometers per day. As we warm up, uh, that will probably increase over the next couple of days to maybe five, six to seven kilometers per day. Well, I heard 15 degrees Celsius this week. Yeah. So, is, is the breach in the dike all sealed up or are they waiting to pull the crane out? How does that all work? They're going to leave the crane there, right? 
Uh, yes, so we'll leave the equipment on site is, uh, and uh, do it to, to very fair so that these uh, are able to fill that in. Okay, they filled in the breach? No, no uh, they'll be doing that on Thursday. Okay. Yep. No, it's a deal. Okay, so the breach is being filled up. And so you guys are, you and Tim are all ready to. Yeah, we're just waiting a breakup notice from Alberta Environments and Parks at this point. We've got everything ready to go in our station, etc. We're just waiting for them to say, yeah, breakup is imminent. So I just want to go back to the uh, primary care center. So we're going to talk about, uh, uh, so there's one of the messages you're putting out on social media that we made a significant contribution to facilitate half a million dollars to to uh, to make this a reality so far the only thing that we published on social media says that council has approved five hundred fifty-two thousand dollars for it so in a very direct way yes um but i think that needs some explanation we need some context yes we need some context around our percentage of our tax base what are, what are I'd like to see some, some clarification around our tax base and the percentage of our tax base compared to um, compared to other communities and, and things like that. And um, that it, this is not an easy thing for us. I mean, we want to make it happen. We think it's important for the region, but this town, uh, this is me speaking, not the council, but this 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 town does not have extra money. No, we don't have money to buy this, build that, whatever. We're operating under some, in my view, some pretty horrendous constraints. And to do this is, a, is going to be a sacrifice. As, as, uh, as was mentioned earlier, um, we're doing this, but it's at the expense of our ability to do other things over the next coming years. We, we put a priority on the Medical Center of Excellence, and we've kicked other things down the line. and weakened our ability to respond because of the importance of this. I think people have to understand it's that serious of a commitment. Yeah. This is not just oh they gave because a lot of people before I got on council I thought the only job I had when I was going to have when I got on council was to spend money much better and much wiser than the last guys because they really didn't know what they were doing. Um, of course I've heard everyone who has ever run on council give the same argument. That that one along with spend too much time in camera. But it's always the same every time. And then you get here and you find out that, you know, I mean, I look at the people all around on these pictures. They spent a lot of time with the same battles and the same arguments. This town has been underfunded for years and not had the ability to respond in a lot of ways. And I'm being very blunt about that. And it is extremely difficult to make those choices. And I think um, a lot of people, including myself, before I got on council, did not understand just how doggone difficult it is and the choices you have to make and knowing that we might like to do something three years from now, but we just tied up 50, 60, 70, 80,000 dollars of that money that now limits what we can provide in other areas. It's not simple. I'll leave it at that. It's not simple. So, Mr. Mayor, in, um, as an aside to that, I would like the um, communication to be that we are happy that this clinic is finally being built, that we've worked for years on it, and yes, it's a sacrifice for uh, uh, Town of Peace River in terms of our abilities, but I do not want 
us to indicate that uh, uh, gee whiz, others should have put in more money and because they could maybe afford it. So I don't want so that. I'm sure Joanne wants to, uh, to do a piece on that so uh, you can be our spokesperson. There's also a way to sort of nobly bear a burden. Yes. Um, I think that's what we can do in the circumstances. You outline that this isn't that we don't just have five hundred half a million dollars lying around that we can throw at a project. It's a challenge to come up with this money, but the project is that important to the community that the challenge is accepted. And that's why you're our public administration. <laughs> So, and then, um, but, so we're not, well, we've deferred the tax exemption question, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's been deferred. So you're not going to, you don't think that's worth messaging at this point? going to leave that out um, right now. It sounds uh, like it could be kind of a cut and dry issue if it ends up being something that's really legislated, but I don't know. Okay. Um, so, anything, and what else did we, yeah, that's pretty well. So this was supposed to be a thin agenda and it's almost 8.30. And, uh, I forgot your name, my son. And Helena, what, do you, uh, are you, is there a, an item that you're looking for sound bites on? Yes, there are two. Uh, are you going to let us guess? Oh, so I, this is my first sort of full um, council meeting that I was able to. Um, so I don't know if this is what like I I would normally go and ask. You know, well, it, attempts or after after the meeting that's like when you. Yeah, gen generally, what we you'll sort of say, okay, I I I want to highlight this in my in in, my, in the job I do for CKYL and for the town and. Um, I'm interested in the medical care. Let's use that one. Yeah. And so we'll say, uh, we'll go, well, uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer is on that particular committee. She should be the one that answers your question. So you get your soundbite. And then the last person that did your job, you like to get them right away. Yeah. Um, but then there's other people that kind of want go, Okay, I want to think about this a bit more. Uh, can I phone you? So that's so. This is a way of arranging those sort of interviews if you want to do it that way. Or you can get a soundbite from Deputy Mayor Mazur. She's very voluble and articulate, and I'm sure she'll voluble. <laughs> it's that it's the hair. Oh, it's definitely oh, hair. Yeah, that's what it's voluminous. <laughs> Same thing, right? Well, not quite. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, well, what are your ideas? I would prefer if I could get this moment, um, like, immediately. Yeah. Only good morning to them, and it would be nice to have something first thing in the morning, and a lot of restrictions for So, so what are your subject matters you want to so get? So two, like? um, the new arena, and the idea of motion, the motion that you're going to direct the staff to come back with um, accommodations for the Okay. Um, or 
Yeah, that'll be up uh, to uh, till his funeral, which is actually being held in Humble. Uh, the, uh, if you need sound bites on that, Orange Ford is your your uh, your, your chap. Perfect. I'd like to do that after. Just for clear Maybe we can get the crap in your voice. And never played three billion mice when the refs walk on the ice because Darcy got threatened with a penalty once. So. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Ford is your man. Your woman, in this case, is definitely not Except not about the taxes. Yeah, it's it's well, you can just say that's weird. Just weird. Um, so what we'll do then, uh, what, what was your name again, sorry? Helena. Helena. Um, so what we'll do is we'll recess, um, and then we'll go in camera, but during that recess, we can get your sound up. Just for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 